talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. As they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Mel Herbert here. It's time for Talking Tesla 175. We have a very special guest with us. His name is Brandon Driver. I don't know anything about him, but basically we'll let anybody on this podcast. So hello, Brandon. <laughs> That's not a very nice introduction. <laughs> no, Thank I think very much. some people might object. We'll let anybody on this podcast. That's absolutely not true, but we will let you, my friend, on this podcast. <laughs> So, uh, Brandon, let's start off with you, since uh, you're the guest here, and I'm told that you're supposed to be nice to guests. I'm told that that's <laughs> what's supposed to happen. Yeah. So, uh, you sent me an email saying uh, you're a former Tesla employee in the sales department, and um, you think that there's some big changes coming to S and X, and I was intrigued. So, uh, tell us what you did at Tesla, and um, what the hell you think's coming. It's going to be rampant speculation because I know that Elon doesn't tell you guys anything, but still go for it. Sure. Well, I worked there almost three years. Um, I was one of their top salespeople. Uh, I was in the top uh, 0.5% of performers globally. And I sold a lot of cars, talked to a lot of people, both Tesla fans and skeptics and everywhere in between. I run my own business now. Um, it's called Electric Auto Squad. We help people that get their cars after delivery. And... I saw a lot of changes towards the likeness or sorry, let's say I saw a lot of changes towards how people reacted to the model S and X probably towards the end of 2019. And then in still a lot of the conversations I've had with people this year, it seems that people are liking the S and X less. And I'll, I'll give you a story. I'll give you an example. I won't mention names, but I was working with a celebrity back in, let's say September was, give or take, and the gentleman had ordered a fully loaded Model X, and he was very excited, very uh, stoked about getting his next Tesla, and then about a week before he was supposed to take delivery, he gave me a call and said, look, Brandon, I'm going to cancel. And I said, oh, um, no problem. We can start the process. Can I ask why? And he goes, don't take this the wrong way. I love Tesla. I love the product. I think the Model X is an incredible car. I have a problem with the fact that you can buy a Model 3 back then and you can supercharge it in about 15 minutes. And that's all you're generally going to need to keep going on a road trip. But if I'm getting this Model X, which costs quite a lot more, I'm going to have to stop for double, possibly triple the time. That doesn't seem accurate to me. It doesn't seem fair. And for that reason alone, I'm going to hold off on this X purchase until Elon hears this feedback and until he decides to upgrade the S next. I agree with you. I've been saying the same thing. They have to fix that single thing. There's other things they need to fix. But the fact that you can charge your Y and your 3 
significantly faster than an X is a pain in the buttocks. I go to Santa Cruz, my son's up there. 40 minutes charging I have to do about halfway through in the S and the X. 20 minutes or less in my Model 3. It adds just an extra 20, 30 minutes of just sitting there staring at my navel. I agree with you. And none of the other features of the S and X, in your opinion, sort of make up for that additional time. It's not like when you're in the car, it's just exponentially a better experience than in a Model 3 or a Y. Maybe, I don't know, never been in a Y. Well, having transitioned from an S to a 3, I can say that it's much nicer now when I sit and get myself a burger. Uh, I flip on Netflix and I'm like, oh, where did I leave off on that show? Boom. I'm watching the last of that episode that, you know, I'm just sitting there enjoying my burger. I'm not driving and eating, which itself, it's not such a safe thing to do. So, uh, yeah, I can kind of echo that. But I have a caveat. Continue. Sure. Brand so continue. the charging rates is going to be the first more dramatic difference, I think. And I, this is probably one of the biggest questions that I've had once I've talked to the people who are pretty intelligent and have done their research on the SNX. That's the first thing I'll ask, like, why does it take so long to charge? And there really isn't a good answer out there. Tesla has been asked this repeatedly and they really don't have a reason for it. In fact, there was speculation a while ago that Elon believed that the 30 to 40 minute stopping time for supercharging was peak efficiency in the terms of an enjoyable stop, meaning that's roughly about the time that you'd want to go to the bathroom real fast and watch an episode of your favorite show or half. And going shorter than that was necessary eventually, but to keep the luxury experience for an SNX intact, they actually didn't want to shorten the supercharging time, or at least that was their original thoughts. So it's not, so the originally at one point the S had dual chargers and that isn't wasn't the difference right they took those out that 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 didn't make a difference but so you don't think it's it's not just purely a battery chemistry it's an actual decision that they made to not charge those batteries in the same rate i think it's both i think the original thought was you know what we want to keep this right around the 30 40 minute mark we don't need to improve it i think since then their thoughts have changed but i think that's genuinely what's held them back for so long now, we obviously have battery day coming up pretty soon, and that's one of the things I think is probably going to end up being a surprise at the unveiling, but that's been the logic for a while. That logic, if uh, they really believe that, they're stupid. Um, <laughs> luxury, luxury equals I can charge it a lot faster, and I choose to stay for 30 minutes, not that Elon made me stay for 30 or 40 minutes. So that's, yeah, because that's crap. Because some of those supercharger locations out in the world are not what I would necessarily consider luxurious places. <laughs> like, let's say Button Willow, for instance. There's nothing <laughs> luxurious about Button Willow. It's a fine place, but it's not a spa Gr town by any stretch views. of the imagination. <laughs> you get great views of the five and trucks driving by. Yeah. It's so any true. other major changes you see afoot as it pertains to SNX? Yes. It's not a secret that Elon considers the SNX their flagship and that it's their biggest focus for sales. Um, of course, there's always the pressure to, you know, oh, well, I'm looking at a Model 3 or Y. Mm, I should consider the more expensive one since it is in my budget. I think that the... Except I have to charge forever compared to the other two. There's a few, there's a few issues that go with 
buying the SRX that go above and beyond. Um, both the S and X have more moving parts, and that's something that people, especially with the older ones, are aware of. Um, can't tell you how many times I've read it on the forums or I've seen it in person where people say, you know, I just want a low maintenance car. And if I've got to worry about Falcon wings to take care of, or I got to worry about the retractable door handles that could potentially break at some point, then I have to be crawling in through my trunk to get into my driver's seat. I would love to avoid that issue. And that, that, that one convincing point is sometimes enough to drive someone when they bring back in their lease to go from an S down to a three or an X down to now a Y. And that's going to become even more apparent. Like I'm, want to talk to you about my why, Brandon, in a second, since you worked in sales. But um, I was just reading in a, you know, about they're going from 70 parts in the, the Model 3 and Sandy Munro has done the teardown and stuff to down to one giant casting machine, which apparently has arrived or is about to arrive. It's 410 tons. It's the size or the weight of five space shuttles. And it's basically going to make the Model Y in one shell. <laughs> to reduce the number of things falling off it. That is actually a huge selling point. But I didn't realize that people would make buying decisions based on that. Like this car, the Model Y, in theory, will be the least breakyable of all of the Teslas. What was um, that word? Breakyable. Breaky. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a word. That's- I just made Do it. they speak English in Australia or what is it's happening? Form, it's a form of English. Okay. All right. So people actually make buying decisions or change cars when the lease is over based on their perception at least of how many times they're going to have to take it in for repairs? Or based on their experience, if you were talking about one of the original 2015 or 16 Xs, those had significantly more problems with the wings than these ones do. Um, and that's... That's unfortunately an experience that you will live through if you had leased it. And so at the end of that lease, if you had a bunch of issues, if you were unlucky to get one of those cars, then yeah, you're not going to be super stoked about getting another one anytime soon. And when they bring, and when people bring those, sorry, when people bring those leases back, does Tesla go through and sort of upgrade the doors so that doesn't happen to the person in the resale situation as well? Or are they just like, "Eh, that's what the doors are? That's a good question. Um, upgrading the doors would involve removing them and then putting newer like 2020 doors on. I don't believe they do that. I didn't work super closely with the use department, but um, they do always have to keep a, a supply of parts for when the older doors break. And it, um, my understanding is that they changed the doors in 2017. And so uh, Model X's that were made after that were a lot more reliable and broke a lot less. But they have, um, I believe it's two different sets of parts for pre-2017 wings and after 2017. Yeah, I had an X with, sorry, I had an X with those um, freaking breaky, breaky doors and they went in three times to get fixed. And um, yeah, at the end of that lease, and my wife wanted to get another X, that was one of the questions I asked. Did you fix these effing doors yet? Because they do two things. They stop working or they hit you. I've documented that many times here. They even hit a priest friend of ours, and then I had to get rid of the car because then it was it was bad. Is that why you were excommunicated? Exactly. So, uh, yeah, those. I'm hoping once I get the Model Y and the wife sees the Model Y and she drives in the Model Y, we'll be done with X. It's a big, heavy car. It's much less efficient. It charges slower. It's got the stupid Falcon Wing doors, which I'm afraid of. Just Model Y. Give me normal doors, baby. Give me normal doors. 
I'd argue against the, the issue with the Model S doors. I know those door handles have gone through, I think, five iterations. And uh, in fact, knowing a lot of people who were in the, the service sector, that that's sort of like your um, job interview. They'll sit you down with a busted door handle and a bunch of parts and they'll say, fix this. And if you can do it in like 12 minutes, you're hired. And uh, because there's no manual for it, maybe now that that's all gotten out. So people know to game the system that way. But those handles have always garnered such awe from people who don't know the car or if they know anything about the Model S, it's the door handles. So I don't if somebody doesn't want to buy the car because of the door handles, I, I think they've got something else that they're just using that as an excuse. But the Model X doors are definitely an issue and uh, thanks to this podcast and Mel Herbert, most of the world who's ever heard of Talking Tesla know that story. Yeah, um, I think that the door handles themselves are not as much of an issue as they are a consideration. Um, yeah. A number of people who come in to purchase Tesla are going to be in the age range of financial stability. And um, it's very common to see someone come in and say, hey, I heard these cars last a really long time. I want to have a car that's going to last me 20 years until I kick the bucket. And that, that was genuinely a thing. People would say, I just want a car that's not going to have a lot of problems for the next 20 years. And sometimes they would look around and they would see, oh, well, you know what? It sounds like the Model S has an air suspension. It's got the handles. It's got a bunch more moving parts. It's got a bunch more buttons on the interior. <clears throat> but now the Model 3 over here, it looks like there's a lot less going on in this car. It looks like this is probably going to be the easier one for me to live with for the next 20 years. Well, that might be that might not be good for Tesla as far as bottom line goes, but actually I think it's better for the world as a planet and as a survivable place because the Model 3 and the Y even more have much more range efficiency. And, uh, and I agree, they're probably going to last longer. And it's all just about the evolution of the product. So, yeah. But the weird thing about the Model S and the doors at least anecdotally, is when somebody has a Model S with bad door handles, for instance, like they just continue to have the same problem that time after time after time. So it feels like at that point, it's not a problem with the actual door itself, but something else going, or with the handle itself, but something else going on electronically in the door. It's, maybe it's getting overjuiced. Maybe it's getting, you know, something else is going on that's what's weird because I know people who've had no problems with their handles. Like we've had no problems with our handles in a very early S. And I know people who've had the same handle, the same handle switched out four times. But, and that's, that seems not like not a handle issue at that point. In my User opinion. error. <laughs> yeah. It's a, you, you didn't walk up to it, right? Is that what you're saying? It's not an, yeah. it's not an iPhone. Yeah, you didn't hold it. Bad, it's your aura. You know, you've got to just get your energy tuned. We need to see yeah. some feng shui work done. But, but So where did you actually work physically to be in the top 0.5% of sales? California, people? I'm guessing. Uh, Nevada. Like in a Ooh. store or just online? Like how does, that is damn impressive. And, and what does that mean? If you, if you're able to divulge that, like how long did you work for Tesla? Just under three years. Um, Started with them in 2017, and uh, I did work in a showroom. I was one of the guys that probably was wearing a big smile and uh, one of these shirts when you walk <laughs> in front. It's a nice one. <laughs> um, and 
I was one of the guys that answered all the questions and took you for a test drive. And if you wanted to buy one, then great. Um, the sales process in Tesla is very different than an average dealership and referral business ends up happening very quickly, especially once you've started to build a reputation for yourself. And so towards the end of my career there, um, I had a lot of people that would just text me. I would, I would get anywhere from maybe one to two texts a day saying, Hey, I'd like to buy a car. I was told from a friend that you're the guy to talk to. I got this guy, my guy, Brandon, go see Brandon. He'll look after you. Do you have a lot of like, uh, you have a lot of like, uh, croupier dealers and Baccarat dealers who are friends with you. So when some dude hits it big, he's like, you know what you need? You need a Tesla. Call <laughs> that's Brandon. A, that's an awesome idea. Actually just give the cards to the dealers and just have them slide them across the table with the stack of chips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kicking myself right now for not thinking of that. Wow. We really, we really could have helped you, buddy. We could have got you to the top percent, uh, <laughs> And, and I'm assuming, like, I don't know, we, we actually have no idea, but Tesla's, from everything we've heard, not commission sales, but there's are there bonuses for being in that? Or were you just awesome and you got a paycheck? Well, um, fortunately, this is public knowledge, but Electric posted an article about it. Um, I cannot confirm or deny how much of it is true, but they talked <laughs> about um, the idea of commissions being taken away from Tesla employees. Um, back in, I think it was quarter three last year, uh, maybe quarter four, but that, that definitely was a thing. And that changed a little bit of how the job goes. But honestly, the process of selling a Tesla is not like, you know, pulling teeth at a dealership and trying to convince people. Most of the time people walk into a Tesla store, they've already thought about it and they already kind of know which one they're leaning towards. It's more a process of walking them through the whole um, you know, how are you going to finance it? Leasing? Uh, when do you want the car? Are you in an emergency hurry? You're, are you okay waiting a couple months? And then going through the rest of the customer service part of it. And of course, providing knowledge, but there's really not a whole lot of salesing that happens. People kind of just okay. love it anyways. So, so the showroom was sort of the final step, not the first step for folks. Both. So what was the, if somebody came in and they didn't know much about Tesla, they knew whatever about electronic cars, EVs, were they, what was the number one thing they were concerned about in your opinion? Well, for a while it was, uh, is my battery going to explode? And that was the number one question we used to get. And that was unfortunate. It was obviously there were, there were a slew of negative battery fire uh, stories that all came out, came out at once. Yes, there um, were. <laughs> and we were all very researched on them. Um, first of all, we were fascinated, but also we needed to know how to respond professionally. Um, there was the story of the fire that happened, I think, a year ago, where it was a politician's car in California, burst into flames. And there was a follow-up investigation article a few months later, and they found a bullet in the battery. Did you guys ever hear about that one? I was going to say that had to do more with politics than it did with uh, battery storage and energy density. Yep. I think you're probably right. Um, but that follow-up article never was, that never hit mainstream. The battery fire article did. And I actually didn't even know about it. A customer of mine at the time um, came in all excited the day before the delivery, like, Brandon, you got to see this. They pulled out their phone, they whipped up the article and they're like, have you read this yet? And I was like, whoa, no. I, we all were just here thinking that there was just a bad battery out there. And they're like, no, they found a bullet lodged in one of the cells of the battery. And that 
So anyways, there was a lot of negative uh, press about batteries for a while, but realistically, one of the biggest questions people would ask is range. Uh, they would say, you know, my gas car can get 300 miles easy or 350 miles on a full tank. I never have to worry about range. I heard you guys can only get like 300 miles on an electric car. Is that really how much you get? Is that true range? And that would, ex that would require a lot more explaining. Yeah, Tom, you had an article on that or that you were saying like 97% of people who don't buy an EV, that's the reason, is to range? That was one of the, like, the key reasons that this one article I read gave was 97%. And I just felt like that was the 97%, that was the main consideration. And I think with all the things about EV, and I, I, I wrote this to these guys uh, via Voxer, there's price concerns, there's styling concerns, there's availability concerns in, in, to a lot of ways. How is it that 97% of the reason that people choose is, is it just seemed like too high of a number. And that's why I asked the question of you. Well, my experience is that is that it's somewhere around the high 90s because when I go golfing and I pull up my electric car, that's the first thing people ask is like, how far does that thing go? Really? Yeah. And then True. they already know that it goes fast and that it looks good and they've got other follow-up questions. But it always starts with friends, relatives, and random people in the street is, how far do I really get? Um, it is yeah. an anxiety for people. And now I can honestly say to people um, that it doesn't matter. That idea of range anxiety for me is gone now because of the supercharger network. Um, I really don't think about it. And now if there might be some use case scenarios where you're going into, you know, we talk about going deep into the forests and places where there is not superchargers that it's an issue, but just normal driving 99.9% .9 of the time with the supercharger network, it's not an issue, except when that effing network is full of people on the busy weekends. Right. But I, so I have a follow-up to that. I'm assuming that you guys do post purchase surveys, right? And pre, maybe even pre-purchase surveys. And so if those numbers, if the pre-purchase surveys are say 97% of people have range anxiety, how long after they purchase, does that number go down? And do you, do you have an idea of that? Well, um, not from surveys, but from personal experience, I, I always work to go above and beyond and keep that relationship open with the customer. And I would reach out again to check on them, you know, a couple of days after, maybe a month after, make sure they're still doing okay. Um, I would give it probably in the range of a week. Well, I wouldn't actually even say a week. I, I, one of the things I always told my customers was, hey, when you get the car, plan a, plan a road trip. Doesn't matter where. Just take it for a road trip, go try out a supercharger and really understand how far your car can go before you need to charge it. That will ease so many of your anxieties. And it did. And if you did that road trip in the first week of owning it, then that was where your comfort level came. If you waited like a month, sometimes I call and check in and they say, oh, you know, we're still a little bit nervous about how far this goes, but we're, we're going to go out to, you know, the mountains next week and we'll let you know that. And mm -hmm. it always seems that the first road trip just eases all the worries. And even, and that was most of your customers, I'm assuming were Nevada natives, people who lived in Nevada, that supercharger network is not what California supercharger network is. So that's actually a really telling kind of bit of information because I mean, I've looked at the Nevada, there's not a lot of superchargers in that state. So if you can own a Tesla in Nevada with the limited supercharger network that's in place and, and that range anxiety goes away that quickly. Uh, that's pretty good. Now, did most of your customers have chargers at their homes? What What do you feel like the percentage was? So interestingly, um, so I own a Model 3 and 
in my experience over the last year and a half of owning it, um, I used to charge my car on a normal 110 volt outlet. Same thing you would charge your phone on. And um, that's the default cable that comes with the car. And something I would tell all my customers was, yeah, you can totally get a higher level charger installed at home. But actually, I've been using mine for the last six months, the last nine months, just on the same charger you put your phone on. And it's fine. I don't drive, I maybe use 20, 30% of my battery a day. And in the morning, I've charged up about 25% of that back. And then by the weekend, I can just leave it plugged in longer. It's fine. Is that is that sort of uh, kind of skewed because of the, the stay-at-home orders? Oh, yes. Now, now it's very, very different. But um, even me, I drove 30 minutes to get to work and 30 minutes back every day. And I was fine just charging off of a trickle charge at home. But a lot of people here do own homes, um, especially Tesla customers. Real estate is a lot cheaper here than it is in California. Not what? to push any buttons. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, getting a home charger here is a lot easier than it is in California. Yeah, there's only 46 states in which owning a home is cheaper than owning a home in <laughs> California. So it's it's fine. We're, we understand. That's, a, that's another reason that um, Y and 3 are better, in quotes, than S and X is charging a, a Model X in particular off 110 volt is a pain. It's so slow. It's like two miles an hour, whereas with a Model 3, you get around five miles per hour of charging. And overnight, that's a lot of miles. You get 40, 50 miles overnight. So yeah, my cousin has a Model 3 and we were going to put a charger and she's like, I don't need it. I just plug it in every night and I don't drive that much and it's completely fine. So that saves you like, you know, 500 bucks plus electrician fees and stuff. So it's another reason that three and Y are superior to S and X. So we've seen S and X sales plummet. And if they don't do something, I think they'll continue to go down with uh, general availability of Y. So at some point, do you think that they'll just stop making them or they'll just start making them better and it'll be a niche group? I think that Elon is at a crossroads and I think that he's probably leaning towards changing it as opposed to just continuing it. He has made the comment that they've, they feel like they've gone above and beyond. They've gone too far with putting too much technology into the X. The X is the only vehicle that has the soft closed doors. It's the only Falcon wing doors. It's got the most versatile air suspension. It's got the furthest range air suspension. And it, there are a few specific things in the car that they developed that they only wanted to be in the X. But a couple other things that also are specific to the SNX that people have decided they don't like are the vertical screens. The feedback largely has been that, especially with the release of Netflix and Hulu, stopping and supercharging and watching, you know, an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine or whatever your poison is, that's cool. And doing it in a widescreen format where you feel a little bit like you're in a theater is great. Doing it on a vertical screen, it, it just isn't the same experience. And Unfortunately, you want to have the better experience in the luxury car, not the other way around. And another solid criticism from a friend of mine that owns both a 3 and an S, both 2019 models, he told me that he loves the air system in his 3 better than the S. And the fact that the screen is in the center and there's nothing behind the wheel, the air circulation on your face, especially here in Vegas where it's, uh, well, it's only 85 right now, but it was 107 yesterday. Um, <laughs> especially in hot Vegas, you want air on your face. And you want a cool looking futuristic vent system and you don't want to play with vents that look like they're from, you know, the nineties still, or from, <laughs> you know, the early two thousands. And those, I, I think that Elon has had enough feedback by now that he's realized there are a few things that we need to update in the S and X. 
And finally, it's at a spot where there are enough upgrades like the Netflix and Hulu, where people are saying they would actually prefer a three and a Y. I think he's feeling the pressure that he's got to do something to switch it up and to make that more appealing. But what is the overall expense, right? Because he still knows, even if he makes all of those changes, he's only selling a fraction of the units of the other vehicles. And so, like, does it make sense for him to put all those changes into place, stop the production lines? But I do agree that the one thing, honestly, that is probably going to keep the SNX alive is the fact that without the SNX, he doesn't have sexy. He only has eh. (laughs) <laughs> right like <laughs> like that's not how long did it take for you to f- make that joke that was i've so, been working good. on that joke <laughs> since the beginning of this show and i finally found a place to throw it in it's pretty good though i mean if i do say so myself but but no seriously i think that there's a lot of challenges i think because again they're trying to make final designs for the roadster make final designs for the cyber truck get the semi out in the scheme of prioritization for Tesla is cool, sexy vents for the model X and S or is it, uh, let's get the cyber truck out. Oh, I think it's get the cyber truck out. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've been talking, there's been a lot of talk about S upgrade, changing the interior of the S, uh, changing the battery though. I've heard that that's been really, it's just a matter of the chemistry. And if it really is just the chemistry, then uh, they should just crank up the S, the new S and X's so that they can charge on the V3 chargers. Though, again, and I don't think this would be something to stop them from doing it, but we've seen wave after wave of owners who are pissed that I bought this car, I spent even more because the prices come down, and I have less of a car. And I remember, you know, fans of the show telling us how you know, the week after they bought their car, Autopilot became available or Autopilot 2 from Autopilot 1 came available and people I've seen out in the street as well. So I think they should just continue on uh, the same platform. I think people love the S. It is a bit big, but now they have a choice. They can get a three and to uh, and to change the interior around. So you get that horizontal screen, different AC, uh, clean it up more, make it more modern. Do they have the capability of doing that, though? Like, do they have the bandwidth internally in engineering in all of the facets of the company at the moment with all the other things that they're doing to do that, in your opinion, Brandon? Well, I think if Elon stopped tweeting about 40% of what he puts out. (laughs) No, I'm not. But I'm saying I have to throw this in there. If Elon would just stop tweeting 40% of the time and start another team with that effort. There you go. I agree with the Twitter comment. I think, yeah. <laughs> Hard we not to, agree. really. I mean, that's low hanging fruit right there, Brandon. It's yeah. like, uh, it'll be. I will be stunned. I'll be shocked. I'll be amazed. You could blow me over uh, with uh, a small breath if, after battery day, for a substantial amount of time, they continue with the current chemistry in S and X. If this brand new amazing chemistry that we think is coming, that is more energy dense, cheaper faster charging um, doesn't come to SNX, they're basically going to kill those cars. So I'll be very surprised if by, say, the end of the year. Of course, they might be production constrained. But if not production constrained, I just can't see how they can sell SNX at the end of the year if all this sexy new stuff is in Y and 3 and not in SNX. But if they come up with new battery chemistry, right, completely new battery chemistry, and they put it in all four cars... Doesn't the three and the Y 
just become better any just doesn't it just stay better uh yeah it's they're still better but at least the the s and x are not like ridiculously behind the and the other thing that i'm looking forward to with this battery chemistry is the hope that um you can maintain that 250 kilowatt maximum charge for longer because i don't know how much you've been supercharging but even in the three it'll get on a V3 supercharger, a huge amount of rate of charging, but it drops off really quickly. Um, they're obviously worried about it overheating, the effing thing exploding. And I'm hoping that the new battery chemistry, which Elon is like, you know, just cannot wait to tell us about, that one of the things that they've fixed is that having to slow it down, not even when it's 80%, it's like it's at 50% and it drops off dramatically. So if they can make it 250 kilowatt charging up to 80%, that would be a huge improvement. 100%. And I think that's just the biggest change that needs to happen. I think that people are aware that the tech is there and it just hasn't been implemented yet. Tesla is very, very tight-lipped about exactly what changes would take place. One of the speculations that I've seen and talked about a little bit was um, the battery cells are different between the 3 and the S and the Y and the X. And they use the 18650s in the S and X and they use the 21700s in the 3 and the Y. And the chemistry it is proprietary. Nobody knows it, but the idea is that the chemistry ideally would be the same between them. The only difference is the size constraints. And so, if you if you picture a twenty one seventy or twenty one seven hundred cell, um, it's twenty one millimeters by seventy millimeters. That's ideally what uh, that's how tall the battery pack is. And so, if you think just a tiny bit shorter is how tall the eighteen six fifties are. Um, imagine having to make the Model S battery pack a tiny bit taller. And then imagine what the size constraints would do to the diagram of the car or to the uh, designs of the car. And then having to redesign the entire interior of the car to make it not less spacious, but still be able to fit bigger battery cells. And going through that whole process is um, potentially more of a headache than Tesla's wanted to deal with for a while. And so they've been looking for a way to circumvent that and instead make it so that the 18650s are still better, if not, or still the same or if not better than the 21700s. Right. But they're still, they never talk about, at least from my understanding, they never talk about the million mile battery in the S. It's always in the three, right? It's always in the Y. And so that's a constraint of both battery size and chemistry, right? Because you're talking about the ability to charge fast, the ability to hold a charge, what it discharges, you know, it's, there's so many multifaceted aspects of that, that if they don't fundamentally redesign the battery pack, it feels like they'll always be behind the other two cars. Yep. I guess another way to think about this is what do they have to do to S and X to stop the bleeding if they were serious? I'm not, again, I'm not sure that they're really committed to it. Certainly Elon feels like they you know, we only do it because they were the cars we started with and we have good fuzzy feelings about them. But what things would they have to do if they really wanted to still sell a $100,000 car versus a $50,000 car? And one of the things they could do is fix the chemistry and give the X a range of 700 miles, um, the S a range of 800 miles, something like crazy like that. Because they'd have to do something significant or they're just going to see the sales go down and down and down and down, particularly if wise is good as it appears to be. But like Brandon just said, that's a total redesign of almost right. every facet of the vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. Every facet of the vehicle. And you're not going to get, you're not going to really bump sales that much. My guess is you're not going to go to, you're not going to, that's not going to take you to double sales. 
I mean, unless you feel, Brandon, as a person who sold cars, that that would get you to double sales. Like if if there was really, if they could move the needle from 100,000 units to 200,000 units or even 150,000 units every year, that might be worth it. But my guess is that's $100 million worth of overall work and changes to all kinds of all kinds of aspects of building the, these vehicles. Yeah, I think that the efficiency is probably one of the biggest secrets, um, especially of the Roadrunner project that they've been working on all this time. And these complaints are not just a few months old. These people have been talking about this for a couple of years now. And I think that one of the other things that I saw that actually was the reason I was inspired to send you that email was... Um, there's a, a Twitter um, hacker that likes to go into Tesla's firmware updates. Um, <laughs> Green, you guys might know him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking about how Tesla has encoded the Model 3s to prepare for a 100 kilowatt hour battery. And that it's not obviously out yet, but if they're prepping the software to run iterations and to get it ready now, then the logic is that they're anticipating releasing a vehicle that will vastly outrange the S and the X. So then by that same theory of logic, if you are saying that Elon loves his S and X and he wants to keep them in the race, he's got to do something about that because that's the only true advantage that the S and X are still dramatically holding over the three and the Y is the range. So if their performance, right? Speed, like at least in the S, right? Because you can also... Uh, my guess is that the S and X are also more apt to be able to put a third motor in or even upgrade the motors. There may be more more room in that aspect for the performance aspect of it. But I, I don't know for the average sales or average buyer whether performance, it seems already like it's insane that you could go whatever point million miles an hour in that damn thing plaid thing like how much more do do buyers want and what percentage i guess of the people that you've ever sold vehicles to were like i'm buying this thing because it is just fast as crap people buy off emotion and when they go for a test drive usually we'll set them up if they're going for an asterisk we'll set them up in a performance car and we limit it you can do it in the car to drive just the same speed as a normal long range model s or model x we start them off in the drive, let them try it out a little bit, and they say, and then we say, okay, now do you want us to turn on the performance part? And they'll say, wait a minute, the performance isn't on. <laughs> like, yes, let's, let's turn on ludicrous mode now. Uh, go ahead and put your head back against your headrest, and they'll have their spouse in the car, or they'll have their kids in the car, or their, their brother, or their cousin, and everyone will put their heads back, and they stomp on it. And if the general reaction in the car was, that was amazing, they're usually buying the performance. If it's... <laughs> If it's, oh, that hurt my head, or oh, I'm, I'm sick to my stomach, they're probably not buying performance. And it, it, it really seems to go that that emotional response, unless they're a car buff, that's really the biggest thing that drives people to buy the performance. Other than that, I think that generally people are caring a lot more about range. And because the performance cars get a little bit less range, they usually end up leaning towards the longer range car, even if money's not an object. Right. So it's not performance, it's range. Like at the end of the day, they have to make that car. They have to do something with the battery pack. Or if because if they add a hundred to a model three, game over, right? Like it's over. Well, it's a hundred to uh in a model three and Y will put them over four hundred miles. So yeah, it's like 
uh, and even me at that point, like, okay, that's probably enough. Sticking 120 <laughs> in there so that I get 600 miles, I probably that's don't need that. Then we both know it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> if they put a 200 in there, I'd still be bitching. Why doesn't it go a thousand miles? <laughs> but um, yeah, so it'll, it brings them both over significantly over 400 miles, which is kind of, I think, the juicy spot for the customer to be able to say, you know, the range of the Model Three is 430 miles, and Model Y is 410 miles, or something like that. That is huge. Um, the and they're not really competing with S and X at this point. Like, they are competing with Toyota Corollas and all that other stuff. And we just heard that in London, in England, for the last two months, the top-selling car, not electric car, the top-selling car for the last two months in England, Model Three. Yeah, and, and but one of the downsides of continuing to pack more batteries into the car is that it makes the car more expensive, and they still are out. They're, they're overpriced for the people who are looking to buy the Camry or an Accord or something like that. And we're moving, you know, to, with, the, with the, the eye on range, we're moving further out of the range of this being a car for the people. It depends on whether or not they can get the batter, their battery game together, right, in the Gigafactory, right? That's relying on Panasonic, and Panasonic's got an external profit motive, right? And if they can get that all in-house fundamentally utilize Maxwell, fundamentally get rid of some of the more expensive components of the battery, maybe no. not, right? Maybe it's a 100-kilowatt battery that costs the same as the 75 or even potentially even less. The key for me is give us the option because if they've really increased the energy density as much as we think, then um, they should be able to put, they literally could put like a 150-kilowatt um battery into any of the cars say so but don't do that uh, give us the option so for the standard price it's the same as uh, the similar configured car and it's got a 50 kilowatt hour battery and it does 250 miles but because we can fill up the space more if you want a 500 mile range car you can also pay for that what and people like, will buy that and it'll sell well and yeah. i'll be one of those people but so brandon theoretically and I know this this is maybe a difficult question, like the S and the X, if they didn't change the size of the of the cell, but they were able to exponentially like let, let's say they didn't change the 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 chemistry right now, what's the biggest battery that they that you think they can theoretically fit in the space they have right now? Like is there room in there for 120, 130 in the current configuration? Oh, if you're Fill up the frunk with batteries. Get it up to 130, 140, easy. Right, okay. And so theoretically then, they could take that, if they were able to get a 50% density in that same thing, that would make it potentially maybe 225K in an S and an X. That would be a dramatically different situation. Although who knows it, what, what the weight, yeah, there's a weight. But, it, but is it... Would it be that much heavier if the energy density of the batteries were just more efficient? They're just better chemistry. I don't know if it's if it's apples to apples. Obviously, like if it went to 225, theoretically, that's double the size. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's double the weight, especially if they get rid of some of the heavier compounds that are in the current battery chemistry, right? Well, I think that you're 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 spot on. I think that the chemistry is going to be the the biggest factor and. Until then, unfortunately, we're only speculating when we until we get yeah. Elon's battery day. But no, I think you're totally right. I think that as soon as he starts talking and he says, you know what, here we go. 
the old 100 kilowatt hour battery pack used to cost us, let's say $15,000. We have lowered the cost of materials. We have made it much more efficient and the same range now costs $10,000. And that's such a great difference. And you guys have been so supportive. We're going to drop the prices of all cars across the board by another 5,000. If that ends up happening, fantastic then yeah, they might have more than one battery option again like they did before. And if they do do something like you can fill up your trunk or maybe you can even put an extra extension pack in your trunk or something, then, and that's, a, that's an upgrade option. Sure. Um, I think the efficiency of the chemistry is going to be the biggest factor. We don't know if they're going to be increasing at 5% or 50%. And if it's in the range of 5%, then they probably will go somewhere a little outside of the box, like filling up your funk with batteries or, or some other, I don't use my funk that often. I'd be totally okay with a whole <laughs> bunch of battery cells on there and me getting another 50 miles of range or something. Right. But is it going to then like nose tilt down? Like on the three, <laughs> that would be a suspension issue, right? Because there is no air suspension. They can't really make up for that. Are they going to have to put new springs in? Like that would be, there'd be some weird weight shifting and also that gets rid of your crumple zone my friend so yeah, yeah we really haven't seen we haven't seen the nexus of the supercapacitor that could be an interface between a high voltage charger and the car's battery we haven't seen the specs on the CATL battery coming out of China i mean it sounds like that's going to be tesla's new go to relationship is CATL not panasonic and so um, and I don't think until until Tesla has an upper arm on Panasonic, they're not going to change the chemistry of the S and the X. And I think they're very wed to that that uh, battery pack structure because they would have to seriously change the cars um, is it, from everything I've seen. Is it as simple as taking the new special goop um, from the 2170s and then the next one that's coming, whatever it is, the low cobalt? Super low cobalt zero. Could you just put that goop into the 18650s? The problem is that the cooling system in the three and the Y for the batteries is much more efficient. They have a cooling fluid going on either side of every cell, whereas in the S and X, it's, it's two cells are clumped together with cooling on either side of those. So if you're going to pump 250 kilowatts into a big pack and try and really charge it up fast or discharge it fast, then I think it's the cooling system that's going to be the limiting factor in the S and the X. So none of this conversation that we've had over the last 45 minutes really bodes well for the S and the X becoming a better car than the three and the Y in any way, shape or form, right? What's worse about this, we're, we're like just starting to go down the rabbit hole, is the whole remergence of vehicle to grid Right. So Elon said very early on that the Teslas could go uh, from vehicle to home. You could run your home off of the car. Right. Because it was there were a few natural disasters. We had a big hurricane, Katrina, and people were actually showing videos of how they used inverters to run their house off their Teslas. And Tesla said, well, it's not really a priority for us. But now with whatever one plus million cars on the road, and a whole energy division who is now selling you solar panels and battery packs for your house, you know, what would, you know, if, if sales needed a boost, how about, you know, targeting some place that's had a bunch of fires and power outages and say, hey, a, a second benefit of your Tesla, oh, by the way, can run your house for three days. 
And so, you know, well, who, what kind of battery do you want in your car for that? Do you want the old 18650 in that big clunky Model Y with the doors that hit you in the head that Mel always complains about? Or Model X. I'm sorry, Model X. Or do you want the Model Y, which is so much more efficient and built in, you know, one big press? And with just that uh, vehicle to grid technology, they say is coming or what was that? Was it a patent? Was it a hacker? No, it was just that they were worried that it was going to mess up the batteries. They didn't have no, enough experience. That's the reason they didn't do it. But now we right. know that they have that technology in the car in 3 and Y. And I can't remember yeah. how we found that out. But So that's another sort of point of speculation before battery day. Part I of this battery day might be, oh, and we're flipping the switch. Right. If you want to run your house, go for it. Right. And, and, and buy this $5,000 interface, which we happen to mandate because yes. without it, your, your, your warranty is going to be void. But I think it's because, you know, you've got this whole Tesla energy division, which is lobbying within Tesla, Tesla itself to get on the stick with this, because this is very important and go to places like Africa and the outback. I mean, like places where energy is truly unreliable. I mean, we're, we have nothing to speak of here in Los Angeles, we're not we're not in that boat. But, you know, if, if you're in a place where energy is questionable, then a Tesla or even the next version mini Tesla, right? Like the CRV size Tesla will be killer. I mean, God, they could just swipe out everything. I mean, at that point, you could even buy like an old 2014 Tesla and just plug it in at your house and call it your your own little energy machine and once a week drive it to a supercharger fill it up bring it back and you're kind of off grid yeah i'm waiting for the next road warrior version where they have a bunch of teslas all smashed up <laughs> topped on one another and that's like the power source <laughs> it is it's it, people don't um, who don't know this very well don't realize how big those freaking batteries are. Like a 100 kilowatt hour battery is enough to run the standard American home for three days, 24-7. I've got three power walls at the house here, and that's only about 40 kilowatt hours. So the battery in my car is way bigger than the battery that I have attached to my house. And the one I have attached to my house is fine for filling up with energy and discharging, and I'm basically completely off-grid just with what I've got now. It's also a problem, though, if you plug in and the sun's not shining, I can drain my Tesla uh, Powerwalls from home into the car pretty quickly into that X, and i just love to turn it the other way. Okay, house now, you suck it out of the X, not the other way. It's totally valid. Um, one of the, yeah, people aren't totally aware of the fact that Tesla's Powerwall is 13 and a half kilowatt hours. And if you compare that to an SRX with 100 kilowatt hours, you've got, you know, effectively six Powerwalls sitting in your car at any given moment, if you could use that for your home electricity or take it a step further, if it's vehicle to grid, if you live in an area where you've got peak peak charging during the day and during the night it's really cheap, let's say you charge up your car at night and it costs you nothing, close to nothing. And then during the day, there's a high demand for energy in your city and the grid is willing to pay you to use some of the energy that's being stored in your battery and you consent and you say, sure, I'm not driving anywhere today. You can, you can take 50% of my battery, why not? then imagine getting paid 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, $50 for, for that energy. Who knows what the, the cost is city to city, but imagine doing that daily. And imagine Tesla becoming more of an investment of having a car 
that's earning you passive income because they keep using your energy and you have one of the new million mile batteries. So you're not super worried about a few battery cycles being worn down in your car. Yeah, well, so the Department of Motor, uh, D, uh, the DWP was doing that with power walls for a while. I'm not sure. I think the money ran out in Los Angeles. They were giving you some huge $5,000 incentive to put a power wall in your house. You just had to put in their gate so that they could suck energy out of your power wall without your con- without you being involved. So they didn't ask you questions. They just said, whoops, 20 minutes, we're sucking power. Now, Strobel used to say that that was bad because the chemistry in the cars was significantly different than Powerwall. But I do wonder now with the new battery day, the million mile battery, yet is that chemistry basically going to be the same now? Because it was, I think, just about the number of cycles, like my Powerwall cycle off, on and off all day, continuously, lots of wear and tear. You don't do that in a car. You do it, you know, charge it once a day. So it was all, that was all about the cathodes and the anodes and all of the crystals and the crystals. gunk that was forming. And they just didn't know early on. They didn't have the experience. You know, Tesla Tesla runs and thinks later. And so uh, they were running with that battery technology. And, you know, those of us who bought early on, we were kind of taking r- more risk than I actually realized I was taking. <laughs> but now with all this experience and pulling, you know, batteries, you know, looking at batteries that have been used a lot, and they've got Jeff Dahl, who's like a battery genius, who's on the payroll. And so, you know, they've advanced their sophistication in batteries is just so much bigger. I'm pissed because I just bought formal Powells. And I know that uh, they're going to install them. And then the next day, battery day, they're going to go, oh, and by the way, we've uh, doubled the amount of energy you can put in a Powerwall and it's half the price. And be like, no. That's okay, Mel. You could just I buy mean, that, four more how, power That's walls. how it works, Mel. We we just know, like, whenever you buy something, that Tesla's going to screw you. That's kind of yeah. how it works. That's it's almost like part of their business plan in some ways. <laughs> but it's it is actually uh, you know it's true in every area of technology that moves rapidly. At some point, you have to enter the market. This used to be like for it's not so much now, but. Um, you had at some point buy a laptop, but you knew that Intel was going to come out with a processor that was significantly faster like a month later. But at some point you're like, I actually need a laptop to do work and you just have to buy it and then go, I'm sad now a month later when it's faster. If the technology is moving fast, you either sit on the sidelines until it's matured 20 years later, or you just have to accept the fact that whatever you buy, it's going to get better next year. Although I do have a 2012 Apple laptop right in front of me, so it's still working pretty <laughs> Say, well. Mine's 2013, but the fan is whirring away, so I'm worried it's messing up our, our But that's what I'm saying, because it's matured. You know, Intel processors really haven't improved much in the last five years, whereas yeah. back in the 90s, it was like, oh my God, they're just going so fast. So the, the same will be true probably one day for your Tesla battery and stuff. They'll have perfected it about as much as they can, and uh, it'll be very stable, but that's probably 20 years away. So, Brandon, you don't work for Tesla anymore. Would you like to talk uh, about what you're doing now? Uh, sure. Well, when I was there for the longest time, I realized that there's still a lot of misinformation out there about electric cars. and Mostly from this show is what you're saying? Is that, is that, what, you're, is that, is that what you're getting at? <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> We're in the room, man. Come on. Um, <laughs> to your face. Specifically, salespeople. Um, one of my days off, I, I'm a super nerd. I, I am through and through a lover of tech. I cannot wait to see the future get here sooner. And on one of my days off, I just called around every showroom that I know sells an electric car in, in the city. And I said, Hey, can I come try out your car? Can I come test drive? And of course they were all like, sure. And I did six test drives in one day. 
It was a very busy day. And each time I went, I researched the car before I got there. You know, the, the, the Toyota, the, the Chevy, um, or the, the Chevy Bolt, the Nissan Leaf, the BMW i3, the Audi e-tron, and Jaguar i And each time before I showed up, I researched the car, understood the kilowatt hour size, understood the EPA range, um, charging times, charging networks. And then I would ask the salesperson, like, okay, so can you tell me about this car? My first experience, I got there and I said, can you tell me the size of the battery we're going to be driving? He goes, uh, it's the big one. It's <laughs> like, okay. in a suitcase. And I was like, okay, uh, do you know what the, the mileage rating is? He goes, well, it's not as far as one of our gas cars. And I said, helpful. Okay. Uh, do you know anything about the kilowatt hour size? And he said, uh, no, but you can find all that info online. And I was like, okay. Um, let's go. And it ended up being that that was almost the exact same experience at every single dealer I went to. So I realized that that was just a problem. Not enough people that are selling these cars know how to run them. And um, even at Tesla, unfortunately, it's true that software updates can come out and can dramatically confuse the customer. And you'll notice the phone lines will uh, be a lot busier on the days right after software updates come out. Um, So I... Uh, I decided to peel off and start my own business uh, with a couple of friends and my brother. And we offer services to help people understand their car. Um, When you get it, we say that it takes realistically about a month to start understanding every little bit of it, range anxiety, charging, um, all the little nuances of owning a Tesla. But we can kind of help you get through that in an hour and save you some time. And then we offer a few other accessories and uh, smaller services to help you get on your way. And then we offer... Uh, memberships to help you when software updates come out. And most of your customers are non-Tesla? Like what's what's your breakdown at the moment? Most of them are non-Tesla. They've seen something in the news or they've got a buddy that's telling them, you got to buy one, you got to do it. But they're all too busy to sit down and to take the time to do it. So that's where we've got plenty of time to help you. Um, we also offer the service of helping you find one. If you're looking for a used one, we've gone through that process. I've gone through that process many times. I've got lots of friends that have preferred the used route and I've helped them look through um, third-party sites online. Um, I know of a couple of secret routes on where you can find a pretty decent deal and you can check um, Facebook pages and groups and there are a lot of ways you can go through it, but yeah, we're experienced in that. We'll help you go through it and we'll help you get what you're looking for. That's an interesting um, model because we, you know, obviously live in this world and we kind of know it, but it's amazing how ignorant people are who want to get an electric car but have no <laughs> idea of what to get. And I had a friend just a few weeks ago saying, oh, I'm going to get a first generation Leaf and it's got 75 mile range and it's great. I'm like, no, it doesn't. A first generation Leaf at this point <laughs> might be able to go four miles. I had one, Maybe. trust me. They yeah, were the worst yeah. battery in the history of the world. Do not buy that. Yeah. But they would have bought that. And the salesperson would have had no idea. And then they would have driven it 20 miles and it would have stopped on the freeway. They're like, what the F? Yeah. And so it's, cons- it's interesting. And, and, and have you considered, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, right, is that all these dealerships that you went to, have you considered opening up, a, your, and I've thought of this and we've talked about it a little bit on the show, opening up and actually educating salespeople and dealership groups with the information that you have to help them you know, the expansion of EVs is important, obviously, to all of us. We spent a fair amount of time today talking about the minutia of batteries. And so, like, is that something that you think you'll be trying to do? Or have you had any conversations about that type of thing? Absolutely. That's on the back burner. Um, there actually is a little bit more competition in that realm of the market. 
Um, there are a couple other businesses that are already doing it, but um, definitely long-term it needs to happen. And dealerships are going to be more than happy to pay to get their sales up somehow. And if their salespeople actually know what they're talking about, then I think it's going to start happening. That would be awesome. I mean, I ran into it early in even Tesla. I would walk into Tesla showrooms and ask questions and then they would tell me things and I would be like, why, why have you decided to lie to me at this moment about, <laughs> about a thing, an item, an accessory on your car? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, what you just said was not true. And here is, here's evidence of the lack of truth. And no, no, that's very true. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've met countless Tesla salespeople and I, First question I ask them, and I'm going to ask you too, Brandon, what did you sell before Tesla? Uh, solar. Okay. Well, most of the people that I've met sold Audis and BMWs and, you know, some other type of high-end car, and they just transitioned over because sales in a lot of those areas are just not uh, not keeping up. And so they still bring with them a lot of the the thought process of just selling, you know, a gas car or a standard paradigm car, not an electric car. So they just don't want to look dumb. And that's why they lie to you, Tom. I don't think they probably want to lie to you. But what I want to ask you, Brandon, is this. You don't think they did. But I don't you think don't they did. Know. No, I give people the benefit of the doubt. Brandon, so if I'm, if I've got, I'm a guy, I'm a lawyer. I'm not, but I'm just going to play a part. I'm a lawyer. I make some good money. I've got a lot of cases going on. I don't have the time to, you know, read 6,500 pages of Tesla forum and dig into all these details. I know I drive a BMW 5 series. I know how the car works. I know how shitty the service is. I know I hate putting gas in the in the tank and be being panhandled while I'm putting gas in the tank. And I want to come to you and ask you, you know, like lay it out for me, hold my hand and help me buy an electric car. How much am I going to pay you to do that? Well, uh, let's start by making sure we find a car first. And okay. Um, let's decide, are you still saying sedan? Yeah. Same kind of car. Cool. Um, and actually you're the perfect customer for me cause I owned a three series before I got my model three and I hated my three series <laughs> and all the problems it had. So I can speak very easily to BMW customers. It'll be a percentage of, um, like a sort of like a commission. Um, once okay. we find the car. Um, if you go directly through Tesla, it'll be a little bit different. Um, if we go through, if you're okay finding like a lightly used one, then mm -hmm. sometimes people are in the mood for more of a deal than they are from, for a brand new car. But if it's more for just a brand new car, then sure. Um, I'm going to give you the short version. I know you're busy. So you want a sedan. Do you want performance or you care about range more? You're going to say. Whichever range. You want range. Okay. Liar. <laughs> hey i still haven't bought the performance upgrade for my model three tom so yeah not yet not yet but that's fine. Yeah. It, it'll happen uh, we all know it sorry brandon go ahead oh no that's okay um so you want the long range great i agree with you that's that's how i do too what color oh black what else okay what color interior black okay black on black love it done um We'll, we'll get back in touch and uh, we'll get the ball rolling. And then from there, it's just a matter of finding out what the current timeline is for a fresh order, if that's exactly what they want. And then we'll handhold them through it. And then once they get it, then that's where, great, you got the car. I know you're stressed. You don't have a lot of time. And I know right now we're not trying to do this in-person stuff. Let's schedule a one-on-one -on -one FaceTime meeting. And then I'll just walk over every little detail of the car with you. I'll keep it short, but um, efficient enough that you will feel so much more comfortable and then, you know, call me after your first test drive and let's go from that too. Or call me after your first road trip, we'll go from that too. Yeah, I think it's a great idea because there's plenty of people that I've spoken to. 
And a lot of people who I'm uh, close with in the Tesla club here in Los Angeles, Orange County, and we've had lots and lots of people come to us and ask us, you know, what, what do we do and everything? And then you give them your number and then you start getting all these calls like, I can't charge. How do I plug it in? You know, it's like they all, you know, and everybody has their freak out moment when they tra transition to an electric car. So, you know, this would be great. I would be happy to recommend um, somebody who's interested in an electric car who doesn't have the time to jerk around and uh, and they have some extra cash. I'm just curious, like, so you said it's kind of a commission. You would help them with a Tesla, which I think is excellent because Tesla... You know, there, as we have discussed on the show a few times, has not been as responsive or available or, you know, unless your car is burning up and you need the fire department, they're probably not going to help you out at that moment. And so, yeah, it sounds like a really great service. I've got a question for you, Brandon. Oh, sure. And maybe I'll hire you to find the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Model Y and ah. uh, it's not here yet. And I got all the paperwork and it's almost done. It looks like it's done. It's still not here. So I went on the chat line of Tesla and uh, said, you know, here's the, uh, what's that RN number, RD number, whatever it is. Reservation um, number. Reservation number, thank you. And uh, could you tell me like where we're at with this puppy? And um, if I change the color, would that delay um, the delivery? And the answer was, if you change the color, it will change your delivery date. Okay. Um, by how much? If you change the color, it'll change your delivery date. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, how long is it going to take to get here? Four to eight weeks. And it's clear that they are just reading off a piece of paper or typing off a piece of paper because if you go onto the website and you order a brand new Model Y today, it's four to eight weeks delivery. Like mine has been in the works for months and months. So they're not even looking at my order and helping me out here. So... Uh, was this something that you would do? Like I used to when I bought my other... Teslas, there'd be somebody that was my salesperson and they would call me and say, what's going on? But this time I'm getting nothing. Help me. How do I find out when I'm getting the effing car? Go. Okay. Um, well, some of the info I'd like to share with you, I'm not super sure I should share on a recorded session. Um, <laughs> uh -oh. I, I can, yeah. Wait, no, hold on. We could we'll stop later. our recording. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, find, I'll find a little bit. Um, but the short answer is Tesla's trying to automate a lot of this stuff right now. And so that doesn't totally surprise me. You don't have a direct salesperson to work with you. You can request that. You can call into the nearest showroom and say, hey, here's my reservation number. Um, I'd like to speak with a salesperson. And then you need to specifically request. I'd like to have a person contact me through the rest of this. I'd like someone just to be my guy or my girl. And can you please just walk me through the rest, give me updates, and then let me know how I can get this here faster. And sometimes what they do, how did you order it? What do you mean? Carrier on, pigeon. Online. Carrier pigeon. I used the internet. And I don't know if I told you this. I ordered a Model Y a week ago, Mel, and I pick it up tomorrow. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> That's how it feels. <laughs> yeah, I just ordered it online. Like, you know, Thanks. I, didn't, I didn't go to a showroom or anything. I just online ordered it. That would be your problem. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> you mean the way that 90% of people buy their cars is his problem? That seems weird, Brandon. I should have gone to see Brandon and say, get me a car. And then I'd have his number. <laughs> Might have happened a little bit faster. But anyways, um, so the about a year ago, I'm sure you remember when Elon said he was closing all the showrooms. One of the metrics they were watching back then was how many people were ordering online 
with no sales experience versus how many people were ordering after they had talked to a salesperson or gone for a test drive or gone to a showroom. And if they had given their information at one point, that basically indicated they'd worked to a salesperson. So they basically kept two different columns, if you will. Um, not an exact science, but basically they had two different categories of people that ordered cars. If you ordered with a person, you were assigned to a person. If you ordered through the robots, through the internet, then you were left to the robots. Now, you can ask to be switched over to the person experience, and I highly recommend that. But if you ordered online and didn't talk to a salesperson first, then you were just considered a web order, and that's just, they'll send you automated updates until the car is ready. Okay, so thank you. I mean, I know a lot about Tesla. I've had four or five of them. I didn't know that, and it just seems like the customer service has gotten worse. It sounds like it has. And i that's all I want. Your AI sucks. I would like a human, please. Much better AI. I just would, I know that somebody can go and put in that number and find out where it is in the process. Just give me a, just give me a ballpark, like a week, a month. What? Talk to me. I'm going to do that. Back this podcast okay. over. I'm going to go call back Tesla. to the beginning. Of, back to the <laughs> beginning of this little mini rant of his branding. Can you, can you help him? Because mostly I just want to stop hearing him bitch about this and uh, like he'll pay you. I don't, yeah, I'll pay you for him just so I don't have to listen <laughs> to him anymore. I have hours of voxers of this guy just blah, blah. Where's my car? Where's my car? Well, first where's there's this car? pandemic that comes along and really messes up my day. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, I know you sucks. Yeah, no. First, first thing you want to do is get a person on your file because then it's not going to be left with the robots. Um, the people sometimes can have a little bit faster solutions than what the robots do instead of just auto assigning the next customer to the available car or whatever their process is. But I have had a number of people call in and, and they've asked to work with me because they did a web order and then they realized they weren't having any human contact and they just wanted my help anyways. And they didn't realize that was how it worked. And yeah, as, as, as a salesperson, you get more options to work with than the robots do. Fortunately, we haven't crossed that bridge yet with artificial intelligence. So I would definitely start there. Um, I have a few other recommendations to you that I can share with you maybe. Uh, <laughs> I want the secret sauce after the show. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you got a friend we can contact. Well, it turns somebody. out that if you go on the Tesla website and you hit SSSS 13 times, $10,000 off the price. Boom. Something like that is going to tell me. I know there's something like that. It's going to happen. Oh, you want a 200 kilowatt hour battery pack in that matter? Why? I can make it happen for you. Just follow me. Yeah, you just have to type F 13 times. Is your last name Musk? What's happening over there, Brandon? Cannot confirm or deny. Should we go with the rest of the show now? Yes. Um, did we? It's be a uh, very did, long show. Did, did, Brandon, what's the name of your company? Electric Auto Squad. And how do people find you? Electricautosquad.com. What? That's amazing. <laughs> That's, That's how long did it take you to come up with that URL? <laughs> wow. Um, actually, truth be told, it was going to be revolving around Tesla at first, but and I do genuinely believe that Tesla makes the best electric vehicle product right now and probably still will for years to come. But I think that in the next five, possibly ten years, I think with the Ford Mustang Mach-E coming through a few generations of production, I think with a bunch of other exciting upcoming vehicles that are going to be on the market and doing a lot better, even with the Porsche Taycan, they've talked about trying to lower the prices on that too for some of the new iterations. I think there will be other electric vehicles that we'll be focused on, but for now, we're just caring more about Tesla. 
Um, and then my brother actually helped me come up with that. Oh, that's right. We, we thought about it for months. Um, my last name is Driver, and so we were going to be the driver guys or the uh, electric drivers or something. But I uh, decided on something a little less uh, silly. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of the Geek Squad. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Electric Auto Squad. I like it. Thank you. Um, I upgraded my solar panels. Does anybody care? Congratulations. No, because I've already heard so much about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell the world now. I just want to. So I had uh, I upgraded some solar panels last year, and <laughs> then I decided to upgrade some more. These ones are like 13, 14 years old, and they were 175 kilowatt panels. And I had 19 of them. And I just wanted more juice, you know, three electric cars and wanted more juice. And so I decided to take them off and donate them. And they're going to Habitat for Humanity. And there's another LA-based group that will take them and put them on low-income um, places. So that feels good. They're going to a, a nice home. But I got 410-watt panel replacements, 410. That's getting up there. And now we're hearing about over 500 watt panels with the bifacial panels. But 410 is amazing. So I increased my total system by about 3,000 watts, which is very cool. Did, did you need to upgrade your inverters as well, my friend? Yeah, they took the old inverter and they sent it away with the old panels. And I got a new, again, in the inverter technology, the one they took away was the size of a small bus. And the one they replaced it with is about the size of a matchbox. I'm like, really? So, the technology's moved that far in 13, 14 years? Is this technically an upgrade or just a new system? It's significantly <laughs> like, more. <laughs> sig <laughs> it'll give me. I mean, anybody, you guys want to vote on whether or not Mel got an upgrade or whether well, or not Mel got a new system? Let me tell you about the, the power output. So not only are the, the panels, you know, more than twice as much energy, but we didn't have... There wasn't power optimizers and stuff back in the day. They were just string inverters. So a little bit of shade, whoop, the whole thing goes down or the electrons go backwards and things explode or whatever happens. So this is probably going to give me three times as much energy as uh, the prior ones. So that is the upgrade, Thomas. Three times as much. Still well, it just like seems that like, word wrong. It seems like there's, uh, you know, I don't know how to put this politically correct. Instead of a certain kind of envy, you have 400 envy. You want a car that goes 400 miles. Yes. You want panels that are over 400 watts. Yes. 400 is your magic number, Mel. What's the third 400 envy that you have? He looks like a 400-year-old man. Oh! <laughs> I was going to say I want to be able to eat until I'm 400 pounds, but I really don't. So. You don't. No, you don't want any part of that. Yeah, I like to. I was going to say live to four hundred, but I really do not want to live to four hundred. That sounds free. terrible. Just give me that a couple more. Uh, let me drive the wife for a while. That'll be enough. I just in one of Elon's bamboo shelters on Mars uh, at yeah. four hundred. That's right. It'll be four hundred days to Mars. Actually, that's less, a long but, time. Yeah. pissing in a spacesuit. I just going yeah. poos and wheezes. Well, space you'll be now. in your too much. you'll be in the depends pretty soon anyway. So what difference will it make? <laughs> That's true. That is a very good point. <laughs> that was. Did you guys watch the the like trans the the four hour thing after they docked before they opened the doors uh, on the like, ISS? Did, did I watch all twenty seven hours? 
<laughs> but at one point, they were basically calling down to NASA. They were asking, like, which water pouches they used. And it was like, well, we used one to drink, and we used this other one in Bay 19A46 uh, to flush the toilet. <laughs> yes. like, uh, like, what? This is a lot of information. And they're like, uh, do we need to turn the cameras off while you guys get out of your spacesuits? Yeah, exactly. like, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, NASA. We would appreciate a little privacy over here. Bob's still peeing. Yeah, and they're like wiping themselves up with their little baby wipes and change. They had like at least three outfit changes. I was really impressed because they went from their spacesuits. They got out of their spacesuits. They're wearing like slacks and a black nice shirt. Shorts. And they're then, wearing then cargo, they went like into shorts. Khaki shorts. Yeah, yeah, they went into khaki shorts and then they went back into the long pants to get into to do the. Uh, the emerging into the ISS. Were they at a Lady Gaga concert? What? What's, exactly. Why so many changes? Yeah, well, there wasn't costumes. any makeup, and they didn't have much hair to go with the makeup. The the best part about it is how many checklists just to change your shorts. Seriously, like how many steps do you have to go through? Like open trunk eighteen four A section thirteen protocol nine snap shorts. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you raise the zipper? Excuse uh, no, me, but that's... Tom, when you're when you're camping, I wonder what the inside of your tent or car looks like after two days out there. It looks like a freaking mess. And I'll tell you this, there's no checklist. Right. I'll tell you that right now. Because <laughs> no, Yeah, no but protocols. at least you don't have to deal with zero gravity. Can you imagine? Yeah. It's just one no, thing I, on I Tom's checklist imagine. and it's live like an animal. Check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly not what it's like, but whatever. Yeah, so this was amazing because a friend of mine... His son is uh, very, he follows space very much. He never listens or, or watches our podcast, but uh, he definitely watches Tim Dodd. And uh, one time I was at their house for dinner before all of this uh, lockdown, and I mentioned it and he just went crazy that I had met Tim and that I knew about Tim. And so anyway, he watched, I think, close to the entire, uh, the entire 27-hour broadcast. Which I thought was great because I got up for work at like four in the morning and I flipped it on and there they were like getting ready to to uh, dock. They were getting prepared like two hours beforehand. So I put in the in the show notes and I sent you guys an urgent email. Did you try to dock to the space I station? Actually, I docked successfully. You, you after what? The thir- after the third try. Third try. Okay. I, I figured it out. Yeah. I figured out like the way that the thing was working and I was able to like get all of my attitudes to zero, which yeah. is what you needed to do. And then the last, but you have to go super, super slow, but I got a successful docking. Thank you very much. I'm waiting for my call from Elon. I'm assuming that's sort of SpaceX's astronaut training program, which I totally passed. Yeah. I well, mean, the, the guys, you know, Bob and Doug said that that's what they used. Essentially that program, they tried it over and over yeah. and over and I think they have to do it with other contingencies as well. But uh, I did it once and I was spot on. It was so awesome. And then all of a sudden I realized that I was actually like pitched up and I was heading over the space. Day. All of a sudden it went to at the end and I thought, all right, enough time on this. I've got to do some other stuff. I really wish that those guys' names weren't Bob and Doug because it just reminds me of... <laughs> <laughs> I know, Bob and Doug were kids. That's good, eh? We're in space, eh? Uh, hey, would you bring some beers, eh? In the trunk, eh? What's uh, the protocol for opening the beers, eh? I imagine they, they said their name, beer. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Lots of time we're old. spent. We're old, man. It's, it's okay. 
So somebody uh, put a little note in here about uh, what I was talking about, the single cast Y. It's going to drop the cost of manufacturing by 20%, move from 70 parts to three parts, and it's called, what's it called? Gigapress. Oh, the Gigapress, yeah. Yeah. Man. It, it's and, giga everything over there. Just giga Pepsi. And it weighs a ton. Oh, you had to say it. Now we're going to have to go and find that and take it out. Come on oh, now. Jeez. And then I was just reading in the Washington, what is this in? What's WJ, WSJ? The Wall, Wall Street, Street Journal. Journal. Wall Street Journal. And it was uh, just an article about this gentleman waxing uh, philosophic about the fact that Model Y might be the best car in the world. Well, this and guy is Dan Neal, who's a very, very uh, well-regarded automobile reviewer. So sorry for stepping on you, Mel. Go for it. Keep going. No, I didn't really have much more to say. He was just sort of talking about the technology, talking about where Tesla's going, talking about, you know, just cars in general, and they're talking about the giant pressing machine and talks about lots of things, but basically just says they're ahead of the game, and this could quite literally be the best car in the world today. Is the is the Giga Press in Fremont? Does anybody know? Is the Giga Press also in China? I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be in Berlin as well, and in Texas. What kind of a press do you have to have to make a gigapress. Like, is there another robot that's even 20 times bigger than this robot that made that robot? And then there's another robot that's 20 times bigger than yeah, that no. robot that made the... It's, and it goes on infinitely? It's a really impressive yeah. robot. <laughs> and I, it's in... It's an Italian company. <laughs> uh, do we, do oh, we have any idea? Are there any other aspects of this gigapress besides taking it from 70 parts to one part as according to what this, this says? So it's just like a one piece frame. Uh, it's the back half. I mean, Brandon, any, any other thoughts as it pertains to your experience with this kind of thing? Like what is it giving us? Is it just cost or is it giving us structure? Is it giving us anything else? Um, it's, I mean, it requires a bunch of people to have to put all the pieces together on the line. And if all of a sudden you've just made 70 steps in the process shrink down to three, then yeah, it'll be cheaper, but also you're going to start seeing model Y delivery times go down too. Yeah. They think it'll drop prices by about 20% just for that single change alone because of the 70 pieces in the people and, um, and it's so, and as Sandy Munro has said, it'll be way less complicated, way less prone to breaking. So it should make them, you know, um, even more reliable. And this is but how, why, but does it make it more difficult to repair them in a small, like front end collision? No, it's, it's the back end. And the whole, the whole thing that, that a rear Elon end collision, was, I don't know. What do you want? Yeah, from rear me? end collision <laughs> is probably stronger. And if you have a rear end collision, and it bends this piece of frame, which I'm not sure. I think it's it don't. I don't think it's aluminum, but I hadn't actually read into that. But if they bend this thing up, then that's it. It's toast. I'm sure, unless they can cut some part of it out and re-weld on a small section, it would probably toast your car. But Elon kept going on and on about this this big press, in that it e eliminated all of these datums, datums. He kept datum, and I was like, what the, f what is he talking about? And it turns out. You know, datums are sort of like coordinates. So like on the planet Earth, you can have a datum for your house. And that's what you would look up on a map. You know, how much, how far west of the, uh, the whatever, you know, longitude and latitude. And so this thing has all of these parts, like bolts that are sticking out that have to be in an exact spot 
for something to be bolted on. And by doing it this way, they have like a whole bunch of these connection points that they don't have to worry about adjustments. And if you tighten these two pieces together, then two bolts will be just the right distance apart. And if you don't tighten it well enough or if you use the wrong spacer, the bolts will be too far apart or too close together. So this eliminates all of these like failure points in the production process. Do they pass those savings on to us? Anyone? I don't know. But they did. They have, how many times have they dropped the Model 3 price since it came out? A lot. Yeah. Sandy Monroe said, uh, again, he's the, you know, tear down cars expert, said that uh, this puts Tesla ahead of any other car manufacturer in the world in terms of technology for putting a car together. That's a pretty big statement. Like this press changes the game that much. That is kind of stunning to me. Why don't other companies do things like this? Anybody have any thoughts about that? Is it fear? Is it investment? I'm sure it's investment and I'm sure that they put in billions of dollars into their factories and the way they do things and to retool, very expensive. And so it's got to be that or Elon's a genius. Well, you know, we talked Brandon, about this with the... Can anybody want to let our guest speak? Oh, sure. Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, okay. I'm enjoying hearing you guys speak. Um, the, well, you have to remember that Gigapress, this is Generation 1 Gigapress. So gen Generation 1 might save 20% cost, and then maybe they'll find a few other efficiencies they can improve on in the next year or two, and then maybe there'll be a Generation 2, Generation 3. I mean, the logic is they're trying to decrease how much needs to go into the car once you purchase it. And that includes maintenance, which they've already done a pretty good job of, but that also includes collisions. And that has been a pretty decent criticism of the company in the past, that if you get into a collision in a Tesla, it's a bummer experience. So true, maybe you get into a rear-end collision and you're worried about replacing one large part, but what if the one large part is the same cost as that bumper on your lawyer's BMW 5 Series? And if you had to pay the same amount of money for a much larger part because Tesla's genius as opposed to one smaller part, then yeah, Tesla's going to be leaps and bounds ahead. It might not be that way immediately, but I bet you that's somewhere where the goal is. If you want a new Model Y, what you do is you just back it into a wall every couple of months and then they'll just give you a new one. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, right? make sure you get that Tesla insurance. <laughs> well, this will certainly eliminate all that fit and finish fluster that comes up, you know, because if you're drop you're dropping the body panels onto this one big printed item or pressed item, you're not going to have as much difficulty with body panel gaps. But I think the reason why Tesla is able to do this is because they don't have the same silos that all the other car manufacturers and many other manufacturing organizations that are big have, where you have one department, which is sort of like uh, opposed to another department, right? Like air conditioning doesn't want to come up with some new innovation because if it costs a lot less money, they're going to be defunded and they're not going to have money and some other person is going to grab the money from them. There was this whole discussion about the brakes on the Model S because they went to these with the, with the upgrade. I think it's uh, the most recent upgrade in the Model S. They wanted the car to have more efficiency, handling better, get a better range with more performance. So they put these Brambro brakes on and those brakes were like super expensive, like really expensive. And uh, they could justify this because it was the same thing as like pulling off, I don't know, 300 pounds of car parts. It would get you the same range. So they talked about range dollars at Tesla. 
and using all these innovations to increase range. And if it cost more to do it, it actually saved money because you wouldn't have to do something else that was more expensive to get you the same increase in range. But if Tesla pulls this off, how does any other car company compete and on any level? Like, why would you buy a Chevy Bolt? Why would you even buy a Mustang? Why would you buy an, I mean, why would you buy an I-Pace to begin with? But why would you buy an I-Pace? Why would you buy an Audi? Why would you buy any of those cars if like Tesla's making this wide, just like, there's a car, there's a car, there's a car. It's because of this. Hey Siri, what's Tesla's stock price? Shares of Tesla rose to $885.66 yesterday. That's an uptick of $21.28 or 2.46%. So yeah, 880. Can we, just, can we just assume that the stock market is the stupidest thing that ever existed because there's 40 million people out of work and it hasn't been higher? Uh, this, uh, the stock market. Talk about the Illuminati and like the whole thing being rigged against uh, the poor people. The stock market is a perfect example of what the hell, what is actually going on. Tesla's stock at 840 million people out of work. Yeah, that, no, that totally makes sense considering they haven't made cars in 16 weeks or whatever the hell it is. It's ridiculous. Um, I just realized that we've seen GigaPress before. Oh, yeah. Any ideas? The first uh, Star Wars movie, Luke and Layla, Leia and uh, Hans were actually stuck in the Gigapress. Oh, that's it all comes right. together. With the Wookiee and C-3PO, very good. Yeah, is the snake, is that little snake? Snake is it? Yeah, that does the wiring. After it's finished, it does the wiring. That's, that's because like it was the trash and they threw the snake charger bot away because they're not going to pursue that. I mean, but but seriously, like they 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 pull this off. They make this thing basically one or two, you know, thirty. Let's say sixty-eight fewer pieces. We all know that the electrical wiring is so much more efficient. It, it's kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways what they're doing. I had a first-generation like Rav Four EV, and you opened it, and it was like, why is there an engine in this thing? Like, why why is it built like this? What what are these what are these car companies doing with this? Like, did they just love the form factor of a thing under a hood so badly that they couldn't figure out any other way to do it? All right, Mel. So if you change the color of your Y to red and they tell you to start over and I tell you that increases your chance of having this one piece oh, stamped in me. the back versus the 72 part piece put together, why would, would you want to wait or not? Yes, I would. Actually, my bigger concern is battery day. If um, it's, I, you know, although I've said at some point you have to enter the market, there are sometimes there's technologies that have come that are going to make your car or your laptop or whatever it is really look old and terrible as soon as it comes out. I'm much more worried about the batteries coming out and then saying at the end of the year, all right, you can have a 500 mile range wire if you want. That would be a bummer. The right, but the it, stampy thing would be cool, and probably be, if it if it delayed me a month or two, I'd go. Yeah, I'd wait a month. But it's the batteries that I'm worried about. Right, but do we think? Okay, do we, do we have a like a tentative date on Battery Day right now? No, but we have a stockholder meeting coming up, and they typically do introduce people in the Tesla 
you know, design and engineering departments to come up and give a little spiel. And so we have July 7th, uh, there's going to be a annual shareholder meeting from the Computer History Museum. At present, they're going to be doing it with in-person attendees, and it's going to be at 2.30 Pacific time, July 7th. So if we don't get an announcement for Battery Day, which is supposed to be this month, I've heard nothing, uh, then this may be the next time, Mel, that you should be watching before you push the buy button. They but, said they but, were going to do a virtual one day, and then a live, so they could do a virtual in June, and then the live event could be this thing in July. But how long, and this is going to be rampant speculation on all four of our parts, thanks for being the fourth member of this uh, rampant speculation situation, uh, how long after battery day do they say, oh, and we're putting the batteries in? Like, is it the next day, or is it we've been putting them in for a week already, or is it six months after that? It's... Okay, can I start with rampant speculation? Oh, please. Yes, um, why not? It would be cool if they said, and schnip, that's in all the cars that... All, <laughs> that's not rampant speculation. That's, that's an opinion. All the, if, if they could come out and say, it's been in all the cars uh, since the beginning of uh, June, that oh, would be cool. But I don't think be so, cool. because I think they're going to have to retool a lot of things. I think it's going to be at least six months away. Brandon shaking his head, which no one can hear. Yep, I agree. Um, I think, well, I think that Elon has had a very healthy dose of some PR wisdom in the last year or so. And that hasn't been super apparent on Twitter, but um, <laughs> on his other stuff, like for example, they said they were going to start building the Model Ys until the end of this year. And lo and behold, here we are. And that has not only inspired some shareholder confidence, but that's, you know, and there's been a lot of talk about it. People have been super stoked to get their wide, you know, nine months ahead of schedule. So something else they did too, when they released hardware 3.0 last year, they announced it finally in April. But when they announced it in April, they said, by the way, surprise, any Model S and X that's been built since February, you've all got the latest hardware. And all the Model 3s that have been built in the last few weeks, same thing. And that was also met with a lot of really positive news. And I think that Tesla's aware of the fact that people get grumpy whenever they change something and they just barely miss out, be it a price change or a feature change or whatever it is. And so I think that they're starting to kind of make the connection that, oh, well, if we retroactively surprise everyone, I think they're going to be a little happier than if we surprise announce it and then the people that just purchased are grumpy. So they've learned to under-promise and over-deliver. They've learned the Disney From rule. their history, it's just been over-promise, over-promise, over-promise. So yeah. that's, that's actually quite insightful, my friend. Quite insightful. I think also uh, possibly could apply to the Roadster timeline. But that's a different topic. But not to the semi, because I think they've already... Or the drive across America in auto autopilot. Should we talk about? No, let's not talk about autopilot. <laughs> 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 over, the ultimate overpromise. The ultimate Tesla overpromise, right? Is autopilot at this point? How about how about? I was going to say I wanted to transition to space. You know what I saw that was the most amazing thing in Florida? No. Was Elon waiting at a supercharger to charge up his Tesla? I saw see that. that? Yep. That blew my mind. That was awesome. So again, I wonder what he the, thought about that on the, um, on the front of doing social media correctly. Yeah. He pulls up in two Teslas with, uh, Grimes, I think in the, the new 
baby Brian. I think it was Brian, right? Yeah, I think they had to change the name of the baby to Brian to have a birth certificate created because they wouldn't allow, you know, symbols and archangel and whatever. And so, um, yeah, so the two Teslas pull up. There's already like three or four Teslas in line. And then Elon gets out and he takes pictures with everybody and spends like 15 minutes with folks. And and everybody was very impressed and it got a really good buzz that uh, he's not acting like an asshole when it comes to charging cars. Speaking of superchargers, before you do your supercharger update, which I'm very excited to hear because I'm always excited to hear, did you hear the acceleration of supercharging network in China? They're going to install this year supposedly 4,000 superchargers because of the number of cars that are coming off the lot. And um, that's what I want to hear an announcement about at Battery Day as well. And also, in addition to your cars being able to charge faster and with more energy density, we are going to go pull the ripcord on supercharging throughout the world and double, triple, quadruple the number of superchargers. But China That's what you is want getting, to hear. yeah, four thousand. That's a lot of charging. Where are they? Where are they making those superchargers? Are they Buffalo. making the Chinese ones in China? No. My understanding is they're all being made in Buffalo. Very cool. It's a big. Uh, it's an export. Plenty of empty ships waiting to. Take stuff over there, that's for sure. No, actually, they're all sitting offshore of Los full of Angeles oil. full of oil. <laughs> Did I say that on the last show that uh, yeah. we have like these military gunships flying over Santa Monica like twice a day? And evidently they're going out to patrol these like 200 ships that are offshore filled with oil. It's crazy. I'm glad I'm not a pirate because I'd be just too tempted to get out there. Arr. Exactly. So supercharger update, uh, we don't have a, a, a miraculous supercharger report, but of course, uh, there's been a lot of lockdown and a lot of, uh, you know, difficult get, difficulty getting things done. But in uh, the U.S., we've seen a pretty, you know, we've pretty much seen exclusive supercharger creation, seven. There's a couple in California, uh, San Francisco in the East Bay, uh, Washington, North Dakota, Maryland, Kansas, Minnesota, Maryland, or I'm sorry, maybe that was Maine, actually, and Pennsylvania. And then uh, construction, we've got nine under construction. Again, most in the U.S., one in U.K., one in Portugal. And then we have 10 newly permitted superchargers, uh, most of them here with one in the U.K. and one in Canada. And what's really ex uh, exciting is I've been following the Simi Valley supercharger. So in Los Angeles... Simi Valley is famous because that's where uh, uh, that's where there were Charles some Manson, Charles Manson, and also that's where they uh, where uh, OJ went to trial. Right? It was in that's Simi true. Valley, and so it's been in construction for nine days. It's like next to an Arco station. They've got twelve stalls going in there, and that looks like that's going to be exciting. I know a lot of people who live out that way, and I pass that way every so often when I'm transitioning between hospitals. So that's kind of a cool thing to see. Is Tom going to get his Calabasas one? Uh, there is no. no word on that. <laughs> and in Cal Calabasas, Calabasas is dead. And in, uh, and in Santa Monica, you know, I've been watching for a long time the supercharger at uh, uh, 14th and Santa Monica Boulevard, which is supposed to be a burger joint, right? With uh, servers on roller skates bringing your burger. And evidently... Um, having talked to someone who's on the supercharger team and pretty much responsible for that, they have cited that permitting is the biggest problem. 
And so permitting turns out to be a very big problem. We actually had the Tesla Club Orange County in Los Angeles had, uh, if you were a member, you would have gotten an email, Tom, Mel, that said that uh, the Tesla uh, supercharging team was going to meet with us. And we met a couple weeks ago. And actually, just two nights ago, we met with the Tesla advocacy team. So we had actual Tesla people who knew what they were talking about. Often they didn't want to talk about it because we asked a lot of probing questions. But basically, the supercharging team said that their biggest problem is permitting, getting uh, through the paper process and also getting the power companies to turn on the juice once these systems, uh, you know, the supercharger stations have been installed and uh, have cited multiple places in which it's just been um, held up. And the last thing they want to do is put their money towards uh, either leasing, buying or starting an agreement with some organization to put in a supercharger station and then put the money out to build it and then have the power company just sit on it for, I don't know, months waiting to turn it on. And so uh, they vowed to, uh, the advocacy team vowed to involve us, uh, the Tesla enthusiasts and owners more in lobbying their local organizations like mayors and city council members and, you know, local officials to get this stuff going. So I'm just putting that plug out there. Join a club. Go, uh, depending on where you're at, you can go to the Tesla Owners Club. It's on the Tesla website. You can pick your owner's club in your area. These are these are the official Tesla Owners Clubs. And through them, you're going to get a link uh, through these kinds of meetings with Tesla Central when it comes to these important issues. I tried to join the Tesla Club, the policy wonk uh, meeting, but that was already full of RSVPers, so I couldn't get in. Sorry. That's it all right. It was popular. There what was, was like the, 60 well, people. What was the one biggest piece of information you learned from that? That they don't have enough staff for all of the fronts on which they're trying to uh, affect change, which ranges from, you know, how to get permitting streamlined for solar installations, home solar installations, um, how to work with the power companies. We talked a little bit about vehicle to grid and incentives for using the battery power in your power packs to feed back into the grid. Uh, we talked obviously about things that are Tesla centric like HOV stickers and the fact that the HOV stickers have basically become unavailable to anybody or most people who buy a Tesla because of income restrictions. Uh, they talked, actually, it was interesting. An interesting fact is they talked about how uh, all of these legislators tend to throw out that carpool lanes are full because electric vehicle drivers are using the HOV sticker to drive in those lanes. And they, us, we are filling up those lanes and making them unusable. And it turns out that when they've actually done some studies, it's all the people who are cheating and just driving in those lanes with a gas car without anybody in their car. And I see that all the time with like, especially with tinted windows and such. So actually the, the not having enough staff resources, I'm going to ask Brandon a question about that. Do you feel like Tesla, obviously they, they claim to have money. Is it just difficult to get through the is there a culture thing? Is it hard to get hired at Tesla? Is that why they can't find people? I think it's a little bit of both. They hire some really unique people at Tesla. Um, I myself have two degrees, biology and chemistry. 
and science is my background. Um, and that was kind of like the thing that got me in through the door. I actually just finished recording and outlining a YouTube video that I'm going to post later about this. Um, Tesla right now has about 48,000 employees and they have kind of been in that same range for the last few years. It's fluctuated a little bit here and there. They're at 40,000 years ago. Um, they haven't really hired on a whole bunch of new help yet. I think it's a lot more of a culture thing. I think that Elon is very, just, just in some of the few basic bits of info you can find out there about working closely with him. He's very, very particular in the way that he wants his company run. And he's very particular in the way that they want their processes handled. And so I think that they're just hesitant to expand too quickly. And I think that's a, that's a growing pain they're going to have to overcome pretty quickly here because they're anticipating selling quite a lot more cars in the future. And they, uh, they aren't totally expanding their sales team um, at any time soon. If, if you assume that they have roughly about uh, a thousand salespeople across the company, let's just give a rough estimate. And they're expecting, what was their estimate this year? I think it was 500,000 cars they're planning on delivering. Right. Something on there. Um, if you do the math, that's 42 cars a month per salesperson. And <clears throat> the national average in the US for other dealers is an average salesperson will do 10 cars a month. And because that's also including all the other work of financing, leasing, paperwork, approvals, credit approvals, um, delivery times, timelines, customer service, all that goes into the sales job too. And so if you do the math, then the average salesperson at Tesla is expected to work four times harder than the average salesperson at a dealership. And yes, you can argue that uh, it's a different experience going into Tesla than it is to going into a Hyundai. But yeah, I think that it's a lot more of a culture resistance than it is an actual practicality thing. I think they absolutely need more people eventually. And they're just slow to resist. They're slow to change. It must be different as it as it pertains to people who are working on the assembly lines. I mean, they must feel like they have enough people to work on the assembly lines, or that must be an easier job to fill with, except you know, other than like the engineering jobs, the sales jobs, like you say. My guess is there's maybe two cultures at Tesla, like the people who build the cars and sort of everyone else, and maybe that. And what we see in from a customer service side, from a service center side, is sort of that resource kind of lacking where maybe there it's not as complicated. So thank you for that insight. I think it makes a lot of sense. I would even say further that there's three different facets of the company there. You got the factory workers, you got the office workers, like at their headquarter locations, and then you got the customer facing the front lines. And yeah, I've seen people on the front lines get very overwhelmed with work. I think one of the, one of the top things I used to tell my customers was, Hey, look, um, thank you so much. I'm stoked to be helping you. We are in crunch time right now. You've ordered right at the end of the quarter. Uh, the average car salesperson will work with maybe, let's say, 8 to 10 people, maybe 12 people on a busy day. Um, my text list uh, has already reached out to 42 people so far today alone. And we're only at 3 o'clock. i got a couple more hours to go. And that's just the difference of working at a company that's so popular. And that might mean prospects that are still planning on buying if they can get their wife on board or people that already did purchase and they've got questions about when their Model Y is finally going to, you know, be there and ready for delivery. And so I think that, yes, I, I, I totally agree with your point. I think that they definitely need to expand on the customer facing side and they need to have a lot more people in the front lines. Well, they may need to make their website better so that I can find out where my Y is. <laughs> Just, let me see. Let me see where that is. That's cool. all right, buddy. I, you can drive in mine to go get yours. It'll be fine. Uh, thanks. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> funny. Actually, while we were taping the show, a buddy of mine who's in Denver 
just sent me a video of uh, a Model Y that he was stalking on the freeway, taking video of. I've seen two now in the wild. Two on Ventura Boulevard down here. It's very exciting. I have not seen one in the wild yet. Why didn't you guys could have come to the the shop uh, shopping trip? Um, yeah, there was a Y there. What shopping trip? Oh, the Los Angeles Tesla Owners Club, of which you profess to never read the emails, invited you like three Sundays ago. There was going to be a coordinated shopping trip. We just the one in Malibu. Yes. that thing, the cars and coffee. Yes. Well, we that didn't do it at weird. The... That was the weirdest email event well, ever. I we love the Tesla Owners Club, but it was like we weren't going there to meet up and say hi as much as we were going there just to fill our refrigerators. And while filling our refrigerators would happen to pass it one another in the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. You filled your refrigerators at the Malibu Country Mart? No, it was at the Ralph's in Malibu. Oh, I bought, okay. yeah, I bought a couple of items and, uh, and also picked up a coffee while I was there and managed to talk to, I don't know, a dozen other people, including uh, RPM Tesla. Mark brought his Model Y for people to stand apart from and look at. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I knew your guys' phone number, maybe I'd just call you and let you know. But you're busy. You're busy, guys. You, I you understand. know my phone number. First off, you know my phone number. What, Brandon? <laughs> I was going to say go test drive one. A lot of them. They have, are they test drivable? Well, they're, they're being quiet about it because they don't have a lot of them. But, yeah. Mel, I just sent you a... Uh, are they open for test driving? Like... How would I do that in Los Angeles? Call ahead. Ask if they're okay. And who, do you, who do I call? Like a, a store? Yeah. Just call one of the stores locally. Because I've gone to Tesla's website recently to try to find some contact information about the referral program, which uh, we'll get to. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, before this show is six and a half hours freaking long, which I think it already is. Um and it's very complicated. It's very hard to find a phone number to, to talk to somebody about the wonderful and lovely Tesla referral program. So, yeah, I will. I'd I'll like send to you a text, drive. Tom. Mark promised me, Mark promised me a test drive uh, in his car. Yeah, he'd his love y. to. In fact, he was, bringing, he was bringing gear for Mel's car to, to satisfy Mel's white dash aversion. But uh, uh, where is it? Where is it? You said you were still busy. What? You dissed us. Still, what? It's, yeah. It, uh, don't it, blame Mark. Don't blame Mark. He is ready and willing to do that work it for did. you. Mark is, Mark, and I, it, Mark is awesome. His car, I just want to tell you, though, has been rewrapped again, right? The Model Y that's only like, what, five weeks old has been rewrapped again. But just don't. Say it's orange, please. It's copper. You have to make sure you refer to the color correctly or else he will, like the vein pops out on his neck. Because I looked at it and I was like, wow, that would be awesome. You could put like the cutout of a pumpkin on the hood. And he was like, no, it's <laughs> copper, copper. Well, they, they started to make all this sound deadening stuff for the front and the trunk of the Model 3. And, yeah, I have uh, that. And the, wheel, and the wheel wells. And I'm just waiting to go down there to have that put in my uh, very, very early and, and not very noisy Model 3, which I just got new tires on and I didn't get the Tesla foam tires. And uh, there's no difference. 
it's see how quiet I'm talking. It's the same. It's the same <laughs> quietness. That seems to be a, a miss, a fallacy of of Tesla. The foam inserts on the tires. I'm just gonna gonna put that out there as a as a thing. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's next, Robert? <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. Do we want to talk about space anymore? Have we talked enough about space? Yeah. I mean, touch space was space. awesome. We, we should probably do another show about space, but this show's already two hours, two hours long. Hell, we should not start talking <laughs> about space. I just and we wanna, haven't let even... me throw in this one piece that I put in about how SpaceX invited students that were graduating this year from K, uh, kindergarten, all the way through graduate students to submit a photo. The deadline was just this past May 20th, so just like two weeks ago. So they requested that they send photos. And I thought that was kind of weird. I didn't know what that meant. They said they were going to send everybody's picture into space. And I put it on the notes if you want to look. Uh, they made a photo collage of the blue marble picture, right? The one that like that they like the pictures from Apollo of the Earth with blue and, and gold and green and clouds and they put all these pictures, thousands and thousands of pictures of students onto the collage. And the cool thing is when you go on the website, it's like the spacex.com forward slash class of 2020, all one word, forward slash index.html. If you go there, you'll see the collage and you can zoom in on it all the way down to the individual pictures and I zoomed in on Cape Canaveral, the spot from which the Demo 2 mission uh, took off. And there's a nice woman there with like a, red, uh, a blue scarf, blue and white scarf. And, uh, and then you can see all these people. And I thought that was just such a cool thing. You know, SpaceX has it together. Tesla can't tell Mel when he's getting his freaking car. But SpaceX, definitely. I like this. This That's because Elon cool. doesn't run SpaceX day to day. I'm just going to throw right. that out there. It's being run by a another team of, of Gwen, Gwen, I've been saying she should come over to Tesla. Come on over, but she's got important <laughs> she, stuff she's doing. She's putting men in uh, back in, in space. That's right. And then the SpaceX also just the week after the demo two, right? Just a couple days ago, launched another 60 Starlink satellites. They managed to shove in one more little satellite called VisorSat. I'm not sure what it does. I didn't look into it, but they managed to, to, to throw up another 60 satellites. And they said that one of them, most importantly, has a umbrella, a, a sunshade on it, and that they're planning. So SpaceX is kind of really taking uh, this space litter complaint from the scientific community seriously. And they are shading the Starlink satellites starting with, well, this one, but they said after 500 of the satellites are up there, they're all going to come with shades. After 500? Well, I guess, you know, uh, you have to they make just do the it shades now? and fit them on, and then they're already so packed into the, the rack on which they launch them that they, you know, I thought had no space for anything extra. So how they're now going to put a sunshade on it and shove that into the rack. Are they still going to be able to do 60 at a time? Are they going to have to drop it to 50? You know, we don't, I don't know these details, but um, uh, they, they're taking it seriously. And since, you know, these satellites are semi-expendable, right? They'll, they, they've already lost, I think, like six or more of them. So the fact that these first 500 satellites or 
probably going to be more like 490 or so, are going to have no shades on them. You know, they, I guess, could deorbit those if there was real great uh, upset because they're not cheap. They're pretty expensive, each one of them. Yeah. And wasn't this Falcon like the fifth time this one flew? It was. So fifth mission for this SpaceX Falcon 9 to put up these Starlink satellites, which is crazy, right? I mean, they're they're supposed to have 10 lives in them. This, uh, I'm not actually sure which block. I think this is block five, but they wanted to get the block fives. They said they would have at least 10 launches in each one of them. And they could get them so that they were reliable enough to do 100 launches, though, you know, if you were on it to go to the space station on the 98th launch, I don't know. I maybe think twice about that. NASA doesn't allow reuse for crewed missions, so they have to be Ma, fresh. Stop the presses. NASA negotiated with SpaceX to utilize previously flown boosters and Dragon crew capsules on missions to the ISS. I don't know if that's for, I don't think that's for astronauts. I think that's for cargo. Yeah, but there's I think a not actual, crewed missions have to be fresh machines, I believe. Yeah, well, that's going to change, obviously, because how many capsules and boosters does SpaceX actually need? Well, I don't think it's the capsule, but I think it is the rocket itself, like that first stage, second stage aspect of it. I think you can. I think they're okay potentially reusing the capsules, although it'll depend, like on what how how does it make it through reentry and and how much refurbing do they have to do, like. They're getting fix the seals and yeah, such like that. They're getting a lot of information on all these returned boosters, and they're arguing, or their their statements on the demo mission was that they're actually more reliable than a new machine because they've seen it perform. They know where any weaknesses were that they could address, and uh, they're saying that it's better. And I don't know. They did not put vertical Model S screens in the capsule. They're all horizontal. <laughs> they are all, yeah. Horizontal is <laughs> the way of the future. I don't did know you about say, you guys, but one of the most interesting things about that is that little finger rest they have. And yes. I think it's really just because astronauts are kind of twitchy. <laughs> like, what is the deal with that? They're always like fingers up there doing something, but there's, and then they're put them up and they push it. It's, yeah, Doug's got his really hands on it a lot. It's just like a nice yeah. rest point, I think. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, if that was here on my desk, it would be full of dust and like a pen and maybe a staple, you know, leftover stuff. But at least mm -hmm. in space, everything's mobilized. So there's yeah. no dust. To Pens and, and staples aren't on the checklist, my friend. You can't have those uh, floating around in space. Did you see Starship uh, fall? Go <laughs> boom. That was impressive. That was so impressive. Come yeah. on. I mean, I didn't want it to blow up, but if you're going to blow up, go big. And it did. That was big, big yeah. Time. Starship number four. Uh, they're already building Starship number six. Yeah. They aren't going balls out on this Starship. This was a this was a static fire of Starship. This wasn't the hundred and fifty meter. No, they hop, were just right? trying to they were just trying to fill it up and pressure test it. I thought. <laughs> I mean, and then all of a sudden, it looks like they made it out of like they found in the yard, to be honest <laughs> with you. So, <laughs> it looks like, uh, you know, like Bob and Doug actually may have put this thing together with stuff like that was left over in the NASA, NASA graveyard. They're like, I think we got an Apollo capsule around here somewhere. Let's just hammer it. To oh, that look at that. That was a nice explosion. Well, you know, when they first started building the Starship and they put out a call for you know, people to come work. They asked for people who built water tanks. That was that was part of the first uh, group so of people. All over the Midwest, people were just running down to Florida to, to 
to work with this crazy pot smoking uh, genius who, I don't know, makes electric cars? I don't think so. <laughs> pot smoking genius? What the hell is wrong with you? He smoked pot one time and did a bunch of acid at whatever. <laughs> <Bernie> man. <laughs> He's fine. Oh, man. <laughs> He's not fine. Uh, He's still pissing <laughs> One quick cool story was that the um, European Space Agency has... Uh, apparently been making a bit of an about face and they're going even harder on moving towards the methox engine. That's methane oxygen engine, which is what the Raptor, SpaceX Raptor uses. And that they're aiming towards building this Prometheus engine that will be uh, reusable. Oh my God, what a thought, right? Who else, land? Who, what other large space organization, Russia, China, Japan, Europe, NASA reuses anything. Well, now, uh, I think prompted by SpaceX, they are moving in that direction and they see the writing on the wall. So I thought that was a pretty cool article. If they need more methane, I'm, I've got a, quite a bit of it here at the house <laughs> in my colon. I'm just saying, give me a call. I got plenty of it. How about media picks? Media uh, picks. Brandon? How would you like to go first in the exciting world of talking Tesla media picks? Media picks? How so? So basically, uh, are there any books, podcasts, television shows that you would like to recommend to the fine listeners of this program? This is something that we do very regularly. And then you could um, wait for Tom because he'll have like seven. So then maybe you can <laughs> get some ideas going. Yeah, we'll come to you last. Tom, what are yours? All right. Well, so I have uh, been, again, I'd like to recommend the daily this week's daily. There's been a lot going on. Obviously this week's daily has put out maybe three or four, just amazing, excellent, informative and timely podcasts. Uh, anything you can do to support the continuing of that podcast. I think uh, that's what I would do. That's actually my only media pick this what? week. I would say, what? okay, well, well, I have an anti-media pick. It's kind of thematic. Space Force sucks. I like it. I was going to... That's my pick. That's my pick. It's bad. It's bad. I like it. It's Have you watched it all? I watched it all, and I'm really angry at myself for watching it. No, I haven't watched it all. I'm not not an animal. I'm doing it slowly. (laughs) That's upsetting. What didn't you like? Yeah, whatever. Uh, It's not good. What is it? Like, is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be serious? Like, like the joint chief sitting around talking about each other? What is that? Like, making fun of the Coast Guard? It's dumb. That's what I don't like about it. Oh, it's see, not I well done. I don't think you understand it on the level that I understand it. I'm on a different yeah. level. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. Go, please. Mel, Space Farce, would you like to? Is that your only media pick? Are you doing anything else? <laughs> Um, I'm just finishing up, and I've talked about it last time. It's a very long book. It's called, it's an audio book, and it is, uh, one moment please, let me just pull up Audible. Uh, One moment please. It's called The Great Influenza, and Mm. uh, it's so good. And it's what is so good about it is that it's not just about the 1918 pandemic. It's about the medicine beforehand and everything. And it is so interesting because it was written about 10 years ago. And the author's like, okay, so this is going to happen again. Here's all the things that we should be doing. I'm getting prepared for the next pandemic because it's going to happen at some point. And it is just so sad because like, oh, we didn't do that. Oh, we didn't do that. We didn't stockpile that. Oh, we didn't do that. It's unbelievable. And, and you know, comments like, 
if another pandemic comes, it'll cost trillions of dollars. It's going to shut down the economy like, oh my gosh. So that's why when a certain person says, nobody knew this could happen, nobody'd be like, actually, uh, everybody apparently knew this could happen and we were too cheap to uh, get ready for it. And now we're paying the price. Yeah, Thank but you, you have to read, you have to read or listen to a book to know these things. And that doesn't necessarily happen. I wish, I look forward to you returning it, Mel, because that means I'll, I'll get closer to mine. I have about five weeks waiting on my, on my hold list from Libby on that one. But uh, I think Mel got that from a public library, my friend. That thing is dead purchase. You're not getting that from Herbert. Huh. Okay. He's not. I thought you would. I thought you used Libby. No. No, I use uh, Amazon. <laughs> he uses cash. Audible. I use Audible. Cash. Audible. Yeah, Mel's not I'll waiting just, five weeks for anything. He's very impulsive. I don't know pop. if you've met him. I'll pop not, for Audible. I'm not waiting five weeks for my Model Y. I'm just. Uh, actually, I am. <laughs> yeah, you are. I thought you're canceling and reordering. I just so, went on, like we're doing this thing, I've got the AirPods on so that I can walk away from the mic because I have ADD. So I went over and just checked again the delivery dates and it's four <laughs> to eight weeks. And then I was looking at the acceleration time, it's 4.8 versus 4.4 for the Model 3 and I was like, am I going to miss that 0.4 second acceleration? Um, no. No. I'm curious, you like if that? you ordered one today, if you ordered one today, would you get it faster than, like if you called the store and, and went with Brandon today <laughs> and, and Brandon held your hand through Electric Auto Squad and got your car, could he get you a car in two weeks? Brandon? I think he could. I would say that there's a better chance of success than your current strategy. No. Oh, oh he just strategy. He just is, <laughs> he just called me a bitch right there. I I heard it right there. He did. What if Mel chose to buy a performance model? Even better. No, not getting oh. it. Not there doing it. Not doing it. Want you the got range. the cash. Go for it, man. Say I want that rear end stamped, and I'll buy the I'll buy the performance. Get uh, yourself some fresh new fresh new autopilot. <laughs> Always Wait, with the autopilot. Didn't it go up? Didn't it go up from seven to nine grand? How much is it now? It's it hasn't still- changed on my upgrade on my app. It hasn't changed yet, and I, 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 I suspect that it won't. But I suspect at some point it might, and I'm going to be very, very angry. Because didn't that Elon say it's going to be a hundred thousand dollars at one point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did. Also said at one point that it was only going to be two thousand dollars, and now it's four thousand dollars. And I've sent emails to Tesla about this very subject, which we've talked about on the show. But now the Brandon's here; he gets to listen to it again. Um, where I, I've laid out like many, many things, like, well, you never said this, you never said this. I give you dates. I I, I sent you copy and pasted pictures of what Elon said. And they went, uh, we're not doing that anymore. I'm like, well, that's not an actual counter argument. That's just you, you know, going into the corner and saying you're not going to do it. Uh, but anywho, uh, is it Robert's turn for media? Pitch? Yes, it is. And so I've really gotten into, you know, I've been probably a fan of podcasts for a good, I don't know, three or four years. All, all wow, since that long. You're Mel, such an early adopter. Mel turned me on. <laughs> Maybe it's longer. <laughs> We've only been doing it for a decade, uh, uh, you know, or more. <laughs> and so um, the Prof G podcast uh, with Scott okay. Galloway, he, uh, he does another podcast called uh, Pivot, uh, which is kind of hard to listen to. But this one is really good. 
uh, today's, or I should say the one that just came out a couple days ago was called Slow Thinking. I so, so recommend that for everyone. Take, take 30 minutes and go look up the Prof G Show, Slow Thinking. It's episode number 12. So worth your time considering all the unrest that's going on right now. It gives a great background, some really great thoughtful insights from all from many sides of the of the um, of all the issues that are abound, I think it's great. And I also watched a show that I thought was pretty interesting and enlightening. I started this show of I don't know maybe two months ago, but finally just finished it called Black AF, which is also really good. It's sort of like um, it's a bit of a sitcom. It's got an interesting premise, and uh, there's a lot of neuroses a lot of sort of upper middle class or upper class family dynamics. It's funny and it's difficult to watch and it's also very insightful. So those are both on a theme. All right, Brandon, your turn. Well, most of my media consumption these days is probably stuff you guys are already pretty aware of, but um, I would like to highlight one of the episodes of the Now You, I think it's the Now You Know channel, Zach and Jesse. the episode they talked about bi-directional charging, which I believe was a couple of weeks ago. I highly recommend watching that through like two or three times and getting a grip of understanding what the vehicle market in the world will be like in 10 to 20 years, because they have a really good analysis of, of showing exactly why the technology is so important. And us right now, without having experienced it firsthand, don't totally see how applicable it is to everybody's day in and day out lifestyles. But it seems that it's important enough that as soon as Tesla has it out there and if the demand really does kick off and nobody else can barely even keep up because Tesla's so far ahead in tech, everyone else out there will have to start doing it too. And then bi-directional charging cars in 20 years might be as common as everyone having iPhones. And if that really takes place, then it's nice to start getting your head wrapped around it right now and start processing the mentality of it a little bit, kind of like how... uh, Neuralink and brain chips might be a lot more commonplace in 20 years than they certainly are right now. Interesting. That is a good show. I'm going to go listen to those and the Prof G podcast. Look, I want to say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's been a real pleasure having Brandon on because it's always nice to have somebody who knows what they're talking about, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Very painful. Very painful. Upsetting. And Maybe uh, me and Brandon will start a show together, and then we won't need you. I think you you already have a, a YouTube channel, Brandon. I do, um, Electric Auto Squad. I'm posting on there almost daily and talking about a lot of stuff. Um, my thoughts on leasing versus financing, all the way to um, some of the tech changes and explaining those better. Um, also, by the way, real fast, Tom, I wanted to offer um, offline. I probably have some ways to help you get in touch with the referral team. Oh, that would be amazing because it's been fun so far. I was gonna. We could talk about the referral program, but maybe I'll go through your people no, first and then we'll... Please, Brandon, don't fix it because it's way more entertaining <laughs> to have to bitch about. I'm just so glad we uh, avoided that because I was going to have a conniption fit and then we'd have a complete show meltdown. Well, it's, I mean, it is time where we talk about whose referral code is up. I believe it's Mel's and I will say I don't give up about the goddamn referral program anymore <laughs> because it doesn't work. It's not effective. I have not gotten... Nothing but the runaround as it pertains to the referral program. Yeah. 
I don't even know what my code is. But I want to say this, and I want to say this. If we're going to talk about the referral program, I would like to start with this. The referral program is not a gift to us from Tesla. This is not a gift that Tesla's giving. This is something we have done for Tesla. I personally, since the referral program started, have sold 19, have had 19 cars delivered and three more that were canceled probably because they couldn't deliver the goddamn things on time would be my guess. Like people just got sick of waiting for them. And, and for all of that trouble and for all of that effort, I've gotten two signature chargers and a set of tires and not gotten my Gigafactory tour, not gotten my uh, carry-on luggage. That was 2017, by the oh, way. So we are Still going haven't down gotten that little still haven't gotten that that piece of thing and now i'm getting threatening emails from the tesla referral program saying if i don't pick my power wall they've extended it as a courtesy to june 15th if i don't answer their survey about the power wall then i might not be getting my founder signature power wall uh but when you reply to that email, you get nothing. You get, uh, this is a non-monitored email address. And I actually talked to somebody, I don't even know how, to be honest with you, two weeks ago via email. And, and I said, well, I have questions about installation costs because when this referral program started for the Powerwall, they weren't saying, they were like, you get a Powerwall and we're going to install it. Now they're saying that we don't have installers in your area. Uh, Mel, how many power walls have you had installed? Just to have curiosity, uh, about seven hundred of them. Yeah, okay. So okay, they do three. have some installation, <laughs> and now they're saying they'll deliver it to my house, and then after I have it installed, they may or may not send me another thousand dollars, may or may not on their timeline. So again, nineteen cars—that's a fair amount of cars in three years, you know, to to be selling. And I don't know how many you know Mel's had in the referral, and I don't know how many Robert's had in the referral, but. I mean, combined, we've sold a fair amount of cars. Not as many as you in a month, but whatever. Like, it's not our job. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I think the referral program is broken. That's what I'll say about the referral program. Well, that's all you're going to say? I mean, besides all the rest of the stuff that I just said. <laughs> the other words yeah, that you used. <laughs> the, other, the, other, the other words that I said prior to saying that's all I'm going to say about the broken-ass referral program. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, well, the referral program is a problem, and I can't believe they're not getting lawsuits left, right, and center for it. And if they aren't, they should, because you shouldn't promise and then not do it. That's what my mother told me. It's just so what, decent. <laughs> what's your promo code, Tom, uh, Mel? I don't know. I'm trying to find it. Where would I find it? You know, I looked on uh, our website, and it's not on our website. Are you website, sure it's not so. Laney9300? Are you sure oh, it's not God, that? Oh, God, here we go. No. Here we go. <laughs> it might be Robert3177. Brandon, do you have a referral code? I do, and now mine actually is qualified since salespeople's codes are deactivated while you work for the company. Oh. Ah, so I wonder how Please. many how many power walls you would be uh, bitching about not getting from all of the cars <laughs> you sold. Oh, I've had many, many family and friends come to me and I've helped them buy cars. Um, I have sold quite a lot um, in my time there. My record month was 72 cars in a month. Holy moly. That's a lot of cars. Do you have currently, have you had, since you left Tesla, have you had referrals going to your referral program? Not as many. I left back in December um, and okay. I've had, I've had a few, but not, not nearly as many when I was in the middle of sales. 
Do you have any idea what the state of the current referral program? Like, here's here's a question that I have. They you know claim how we were going to stop now, the show an hour ago. We yeah, yeah, yeah. They claim <laughs> they claim now that if you do a referral, that you get entered into a a, 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 a drawing to win a Y or a Roadster. Do they do those drawings? Is that a public situation? Has anybody like what is the what is the legality behind how that's happening? Do you do you have any insights into that? I don't. Um, they said that they were going to start it a while ago, and they of course haven't. And I believe that they still certainly intend to, and that they definitely still have a list of all those people that have successfully submitted referrals. But I I would liken it to the roaster delay. It's just not one of their top priorities at the moment. And, and they're trying to focus on a couple other things that they, they think shareholders care about a little bit more. And so it's, uh, it'll come when it comes. Huh. It'll come you know? when demand goes down. That's the referral program always gets ramped up when demand goes down and the lying starts. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is this why I'm bucketing my car? Because it's like that. Hmm. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, wow. it's possible. It's, it's upsetting. Possible. All right, can we it? finish the that show now. It's really uh, too long. Tom, Uh-oh. you are a um, shareholder, are you not? Do you want that to? Correct, you yes. want to put together a shareholder, like a statement that we could put out that would say, "Pay attention." I mean, to what like you promised. the like my shareholder level is probably there's probably things in the bottom of Elon's shoes that have more shares of Tesla than I do. So I'm pretty sure it's a blip on his radar. Uh, as it you could start the letter with yeah, as a shareholder. Get- and I mean that in the singular, I have some <laughs> rights. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like the reality is that anybody who's a shareholder can bring a statement to the board and to all of the shareholders at a shareholder meeting. And all you need are some number of other shareholders who want the same same resolution. And you're not the only one. I'm not the only one. There's many of us who are probably having this very same experience. And this would just bring, bring light to it. Right. And that's the point is like, because, and my guess is most referral people are not shareholders. And again, this was not a gift from Tesla. Tesla did this. And my, and if we, the three of us, the four of us with Brandon here today, who have had what, 175, three hour freaking podcasts on the air are having problems with the referral program. What is like the average Joe have any possibility of getting like my guess is most people have just given up as as you can see even from my 2017 I, I stopped calling them and asking them about my suitcase my guess is that suitcase doesn't even exist it's not like there's a big factory warehouse somewhere with like oh there's a suitcase on the shelf and they just haven't gotten to it yet it's just they just they didn't care they didn't put resources or or it was just a, a low like it can't be a low priority to give people the referrals when it's a high priority to have a referral program. That's my sort of take on it. Well, you know, I could be depressed about all that you're saying, but I am not. You know why I'm so happy right now? Because Drugs. we're about to deliver to the Patreon supporters another 150 minute long show. This is like the old days and we didn't even have much of a document. So, Good, this good isn't honest. a patron show, is it? Isn't it a for the world show? No, it's a patron show. Odd shows are patron shows. Oh, I don't know. I think I'm. Aren't all of our shows up. odd? 
I don't know. Brandon, have you learned anything about how not to have a podcast show from being on this show with us today? Yeah. I got to say, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, you guys have a pretty good balance here. <laughs> we're idiots. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. We were going to call a show three idiots, but that was already taken. Um, <laughs> that was taken. You know what I'm excited about? Ending this show. Okay? Yeah. I'm oh, excited about yeah. it. I'm stopping good, it right yeah. now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Talking Tesla. I don't know if it's a patron show. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Thank you, Brandon Driver, electricautosquad.com. Go to Brandon. He will help you get a car. And if you can, if you go to Brandon today and get a car before Mel gets his Y, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) We really need to know. (laughs) Brandon, you have to come back and let us know. Yeah, I, I, I need consultations. Send me an email. Awesome. Mean. All Thanks right, everybody. some guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>